This is Jocko Podcast number 390 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. Also joining us tonight, J.P. Donnell. Good evening, J.P. Good evening. The President of the United States of America, authorized by Act of Congress July 9th, 1918, takes pleasure in presenting the Distinguished Service Cross to Colonel William Joseph Wild Bill Donovan, United States Army, for extraordinary heroism in action while serving with 165th Infantry Regiment, 42nd Division in France, July 28th through the 21st, 1918. Colonel Donovan led his battalion across the River Orc and captured important enemy strongholds. He was in advance of the division for four days. All the while, under shell and machine gun fire from the enemy who were on three sides of him. And he was repeatedly and persistently counterattacked, being wounded twice. Colonel Donovan's coolness and efficient leadership rendered possible the maintenance of this position. The President of the United States of America, in the name of Congress, takes pleasure in presenting the Medal of Honor to Lieutenant Colonel William Joseph Wild Bill Donovan, United States Army, for extraordinary heroism on 14 and 15 October 1918 while serving as Commanding Officer 165th Infantry, 42nd Division, American Expeditionary Forces in action at Landres A. St. George, France. Lieutenant Colonel Donovan personally led the assaulting wave in an attack upon a very very strongly organized position, and when our troops were suffering heavy casualties, he encouraged all near him by his example, moving among his men in exposed positions, reorganizing decimated platoons, and accompanying them forward in attacks. When he was wounded in the leg by machine gun bullets, he refused to be evacuated and continued with his unit until it withdrew to a less exposed position. So there you go. The nation's two highest awards for one man. And by the way, I've written uh, a lot of awards in my time, and you don't get to just throw someone's nickname in there. You don't get to say, Joseph, William Joseph Wild Bill Donovan. That's insane. That's in both those official copies. <clears throat> Guys awarded the Distinguished Service Medal, um, Medal of Honor, the National Security Medal, the Silver Star, Purple Heart for actions in World War II as well. When he was awarded the Medal of Honor, he actually received it. He was awarded it in New York City in front of about 4,000 veterans. And what he said when he received the award was the award belonged not to him, but, quote, to the boys who are not here, the boys resting under white crosses in France or in the cemeteries in New York. So that's Wild Bill Donovan. And he did all kinds of things after World War I and before World War II. So in between, he got out of the army for a while, he became a lawyer, he kinda was a spy, he was a businessman, he was a US attorney, he ran for the governor, governorship of New York, lost. But then once World War II started, he was reinstated in the army as a colonel, and he became eventually became the director 
of the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services, which conducted intelligence gathering and recruiting and training of indigenous forces and sabotage and all kinds of espionage and warfare of all kinds in World War II. He was the director of that. The OSS was eventually disbanded in 1945 by Truman, but it the, the beginning or the end of the OSS was where the seeds got planted for what would become the CIG, which is the Central Intelligence Group, which eventually became the CIA, including the CIA's Special Activities Division, and the OSS also passed on some lineage, theoretically, to US SOCOM, which f- was formed in 1987, but it, it also unified Special Operations under Wonder Command, and US SOCOM uses the same symbol for their insignia at, at US SOCOM. And at some point, I'm sure I will do a podcast about William Donovan and about the OSS, or I'll probably do a bunch of them. But tonight I wanted to discuss a field manual that they published in 1944. And the field manual is called Simple Sabotage. And I think what's so interesting about this, and, and, and basically there's a part of this there's a part of this field manual that's very important from a leadership perspective. And almost everything in there is pertinent from a sabotage perspective. I know I went to a, I went to classes when I was in the military that were basically sabotage classes. I went to, we learned about targeting, we learned about how to do this type of thing. But you're gonna see as we talk through this, that like everything else, it applies to everything that we do. But what's interesting, I think the way that this applies, it replies almost in a reverse engineering way because as you hear about how to screw things up, you can realize that you might be screwing things up that you don't wanna screw up. So let's get into it. JP, little sabotage. I figured you'd like this one. (laughs) Uh, So here we go. Published in 1944, Office of Strategic Services, Washington, D.C., 17 January 1944. So we're talking middle of World War II. It says, the simple, this simple sabotage field manual, Strategic Services Provisional, is published for the information and guidance of all concerned and will be used as the same as the basic doctrine for strategic services training for this subject. The contents of this manual should be carefully controlled and should not be allowed to come into unauthorized hands. There you go, it's been declassified. That's why we got it here. You know, and I, I was parsing through this, thinking, okay, I'm just gonna not have to cover this, too much of this stuff, and we'll get to the meat of what I wanted to talk about, which is, which is towards the end, but then this is just also important. It says this, the purpose purpose of this paper is to characterize simple sabotage, to outline its possible effects, and to present suggestions for inciting and executing it. Sabotage varies from highly technical coup de main acts that require detailed planning and the use of specially trained operatives to innumerable simple acts, which the ordinary individual citizen saboteur can perform. And this is what I noticed when I was reading this, all this stuff, and this is why I got even more into it and decided to cover it, because you realize these when you're running sabotage, all you have to do is screw up a lot of little things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all you gotta do is you gotta just screw up a little thing here, little thing there, little something somewhere else, and all of a sudden, 
those problems compound mm-hmm. and it turns to just, you know, you just trash things. And sometimes they're so subtle, and that's one of the things that's talked about. It's so subtle. I don't even notice. You don't even notice it. Just like, hmm, looks like we're not gonna be able to make payroll. Generally, it's not one big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I had this thing with uh, safety. One of my old commanding officers said this. He called it the Swiss cheese effect. And what it was, most when you have an, a safety incident, oftentimes it's not due to one catastrophic failure. It's due to a, a bunch of little failures. And he, he called it the Swiss cheese effect because he said, listen, Jocko, if you take a piece of Swiss cheese and you put it on a plate, and you take another piece of Swiss cheese and put it on the plate, and you take another piece of Swiss cheese and put it on the plate, and you put four or five pieces of Swiss cheese, you stack them on a plate, most likely there's not gonna be a hole that goes all the way through. Mm-hmm. But when they line up, that's when you have a problem. And that's oftentimes what happens when there's a safety incident. Yeah. Again, if you reverse engineer that, and you are trying to make someone have a problem, mm-hmm. all you have to do is put some holes in the Swiss cheese. Now we as leaders, what we're trying to do is we're trying to stop those holes. So this is one of those things, you gotta look at it from both perspectives. Um, goes on to say here, this paper is primarily concerned with the latter type. Simple sabotage does not require specially prepared tools or equipment. It is executed by an ordinary citizen who may or may not act individually and without the necessity for active connection with an organized group. And it is carried out in such a way as to involve a minimum danger of injury, detection, or reprisal. Once again, these are things that you don't even know are happening. Uh Little tiny things. And again, it's important to think about your life. What little things are going on in your life that you don't really notice? It's just sabotage. (laughs) Yeah. Continuing, where destruction is involved, the weapons of the citizen saboteur are salt, nails, candles, pebbles, thread, or any other material he might normally be expected to possess as a householder or as a worker in his particular occupation. His arsenal is the kitchen shelf the trash pile, his own usual kit of tools and supplies. The targets of his sabotage are usually objects to which he has normal and inconspicuous access in everyday life. Just those little things that are out there. (laughs) (laughs) A second type of simple sabotage requires no destruction, no destructive tools whatsoever and produces physical damage. If any, by highly indirect means. It is based on universal opportunities to make faulty decisions, to adopt the non-cooperative attitude, and to induce others to follow suit. This is when you start thinking it from a business perspective, mm-hmm. when you start talking the leadership perspective. Perspective, Making a faulty decision may be simply a matter of placing, a tool, place, placing tools in one spot instead of another. A non-cooperative attitude may involve nothing more than creating an unpleasant situation among one's fellow workers, engaging in bickerings, or displaying surliness and stupidity. Isn't that weird? Isn't that interesting that we, that these things can cause such disruption 
that the Office of Strategic Service is saying, hey, if you can create bickering within a team, you're, they're gonna have problems. Remember in Trade at What a weird uh, correlation for what's going on with yeah. this nation right now. Mm. Oh. You think? Yeah. Uh, uh, weird? Uh, coincidental, could it be? Or could it be that we're getting fed social media that's actually creating? Creating yeah. hate and discontent and just arguing just because, as we know, our egos get in the way and we just can't let stuff go. Yeah. Instead of people just ignoring it, imagine if we all just ignored it. Yeah. How powerful that would be. Yeah. And, and you know what? Listen to someone else's perspective and say, oh, yeah, they think a little bit different than me. Okay. I, I was talking with somebody recently and <clears throat> stole your line, gave you credit, though. Mm-hmm. Of you like, better give me credit. <laughs> better give me credit. Uh, when somebody says something that you don't agree with or, you, you know, it was along the lines of, you know, I've never thought of it that way. And that's it. Yep. Don't engage. Don't <sighs> argue. Don't push anything else. It's like, hey, you know what? I've never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. And you can have a respectful tone. You don't have to be like, I've never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. Dumb. You know, you're like, you're like, hey, you know, I've never thought of it that way. Completely disarm them. Completely yeah. disarm them. And if they keep pushing, be like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I've, I've legitimately never thought of it that way. And man, I really, I appreciate your, appreciate your input. Yeah. Let it be. Gosh. Stop. And by the way, the thing that you're <clears throat> so... Uh, in disagreement with, it's probably not that big of a deal. It's probably not that big of a thing. Yeah, you know, it's not something you should be fighting about. Okay, let me ask you this: When we were in trade at, okay, how 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 much of a strong sign was it that we as trade at was winning when you'd see a platoon? Start fighting each other. It was beautiful. It was like the it, this is this is the exact example that they're talking about. When you have a platoon and the platoon chief and the lieutenant are yelling at each other, or the LPOs yelling at the guys and they're yelling back at him, or the whatever combination of chaos mm-hmm. and and bickering that destroys a platoon. Mm-hmm. It destroys a platoon. And like you're saying, if someone can take the high ground and Say, you know what, actually that, that that's a good point. I didn't think of that. And de-escalate that situation, that platoon can then get back together and move forward yeah. towards the target as opposed to attacking each other, which is insane. Mm-hmm. It was insane to watch that. Yeah, And we get to see it, I would say 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. 50% of the time you'd have some kind of a small conflict in the platoon mm-hmm. that escalated to the point where it, it started to detriment their performance. Yeah. And we talked to him about it, you know? We talked to him about it, but the reason that they're having a problem is because their egos. And so when you talk to him about it, they'd be like, well, dude, he just needs to f- do what I'm saying. He's not listening to me. Like, they, that's the response you go, okay, man. Yeah. cool. The best, the best was when they would turn on us and be like, well, you guys are cheating. And but and like, all right, let's 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 have an actual conversation. <laughs> like. Come on, man. Like, yeah. what do you think our intent is? To cheat yeah. or to actually prepare you for war? Yeah. Like, what do you think our biggest priority is? And when you could, like, show people that just by asking them those simple questions, they'd be like, <sighs> and they would realize, yeah. well, it'd take them some time, but man, it's crazy how emotionally connected, and or not connected, but emotionally just charged. Su- sucked in and charged guys yeah. would get over, and then we would just, just poke that a little bit more, a little bit more, spin them up, 
But, yep. Yeah. What we were doing was we were following this manual for sabotage to see if we could get that platoon to mm-hmm. freaking start, yeah. you know, going after each other. Because this is the things you want to have happen in training. You don't. Want, you want them to to get through that. Yes. And recognize it here. Yeah. So when they're overseas, they can freaking get along and work shit out. All right. This type of activity, sometimes referred to as the human element, is frequently responsible for accidents, delays, and general obstruction. Even even under normal conditions, the potential saboteur should discover what types of faulty decisions and non-cooperation are normally found in this kind of work and then should devise his sabotage as to enlarge that margin for error. It's crazy. It's crazy. I was on Huberman's podcast, and I said, hey, if I had a... If I had a team of 10 people and you had a ten, team of 10 people and my team all hated each other and your team all loved each other and got along great, who's gonna win? He's like, oh, I would hope my team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My team would still be arguing about what the mission was, mm-hmm. about who we're gonna take, about who's gonna do what job. And JP's like, yeah, I wanna lead this assault. And Echo's like, no, I should be leading this assault. And you two are fighting. And then finally I'm like, okay, Echo's gonna lead it. And then JP spends the rest of the time undermining Echo's plan. <laughs> that happens, man. It's insane. Uh, possible effects. Acts of sabotage are occurring throughout Europe. An effort should be made to add to their efficiency, lessen their detectability, increase their number. Acts of simple sabotage multiplied by thousands of citizens' saboteurs can be an effective weapon against any enemy. Slashing tires, draining fuel tanks, starting fires, starting arguments, acting stupidly, short-circuiting electrical systems, abrading machine parts will waste materials, manpower, and time. Occurring on a wide scale, simple sabotage will be a constant and tangible drag on the war effort of the enemy. And again, why am I saying this? Why does this matter? Is anyone that's listening to this podcast right now thinking about how they're going to slash tires and drain fuel tanks? No. No. But do you think that there's draining fuel somewhere in your life? Yeah. The energy? (laughs) Do you think that there's (laughs) energy leaking out? Right? Do you think there's some short circuits going on in your life somewhere? Do you think there's some stupid acting somewhere in your life? And it's little, but then you multiply that across time and you got problems. <sighs> Simple sabotage may have also have secondary results of more or less value. Widespread practice of simple sabotage will harass and demoralize enemy administrators and police. Further success may embolden the citizen saboteurs eventually to find colleagues who can assist him in sabotage or of greater dimension. Finally, the very practice of simple sabotage by natives in enemy-occupied territory may make these individuals identify themselves actively with the United Nations war effort and encourage them to assist openly in periods of allied invasion and occupation. So everything compounds. Mm -hmm. And these little problems that you have, they get worse. This is what happens when you, you know, you're late for work and the your boss like is a little bit negative with you because you were late and then you're a little bit negative back, but you're also, you were a little bit late, so now you're trying to catch up and now you make a, a little mistake mm-hmm. and now your boss is on you that because <laughs> that mistake and he gives you a bad evaluation. You can see where these things go wrong yeah. in life from little tiny acts of sabotage, which were perpetrated by you, by the way. <laughs> That's the worst part of it. Yeah. You know, people, they know the whole thing about, we talk about self-sabotage, right? And they make self-sabotage into this thing where like, you know, 
I really thought I was gonna be a rock star. You know, I could, I was gonna be a rock star, but I just self-sabotaged. You know, I just, I just, you know, every time I was about to get that record deal, I'd, I'd go get drunk and just, you know, yep. wouldn't show up to the, the, people say that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it happens, you know. Yeah. I'm sure there's people that are like that. But to me, self-sabotage is not like, oh, I didn't wanna be so successful, so I sab-. Self-sabotage is like, oh, I cut a corner, I didn't control my emotions, I let my ego get in the way. Those are all yourself. Yeah. But it's, it's almost like an unintentional self. Yeah, what do you think causes people to keep going down that path, though? Because we all make those mistakes, like you said, and then there are people that just will legitimately start. Now, there's a difference between self-sabotage and playing the victim card. The victim card's easy to play because you don't have to have any responsibility or accountability. You blame Mm -hmm. everybody else, and then we all have enough people in our lives that actually support the playing the victim card but like oh you know and then they comfort you and it's not your fault you're like yeah you know so but then when it comes to self-sabotage i mean i mean i've talked about this before on this podcast and at the muster and everything else like that i mean like i ruined my marriage with amanda Mm -hmm. i did 100 percent temporarily Yes, I was going to get there. I know. <laughs> okay, Temporarily. Sure that we're yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I'm glad that you said that because I think one podcast we talked about how Amanda and I were divorced and we never brought it back full circle <laughs> to her back together. <laughs> Sorry, Amanda. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no, uh, I mean, a year later, by the grace of God, we had a second chance. Um, you know, we made, we went to church and I've, I've shared that story before. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, the pastor is talking about letting go of anger and resentment in your heart. And I'm like, Okay, I'm listening to God. And, you know, we we went to a, a, a small group of the church and we got into counseling. And, you know, more importantly, all, all that stuff was great, but we both decided to make the effort. We both we both had to be all in. We both took ownership over things in our life. And that's, you know, I've told you this, like, that's when I read Extreme Ownership before I was a part of this team during this time. I read Extreme Ownership and I was like, oh, yeah, knucklehead. But I'm just wondering, like the whole sabotage thing, like what causes people to keep going down that path or making it worse yep. and worse? It, in my opinion, it's because they actually don't want bad enough to have that thing, whatever that thing is. I agree. So 100%. like you just said, you said you and Amanda, you both decided you actually wanted to be married and have a life together. Yes, 100%. If you don't do that, then everything else is just a way to split it apart. Because every, everything great in life is hard. Going yes. through buds is hard. Yep. But you know what? There's greatness with having that trident pinned on your chest. And you know, and, and this isn't just about the SEAL teams. I mean, we've worked with every branch of the military and they all have outstanding soldiers and Marines and airmen and great selection processes that they all get a lot of benefit from going through that stuff, you know? And, and so, I, but like marriage, marriage is hard, but you can make it easy if you decide it's what you want to do. Because when you decide that it's what you want to do, then those little things, it's like, okay, yeah, that's actually not that big of a deal. You can make it hard or you can make it easy. And it's a, it's like, I think, aligned with what you just said, it's, it's, a, it's a mindset thing of like, hey, do you really want it? If you do, you'll work through it. If you don't, then you'll just keep making mistakes because making mistakes is easy. You don't have to think. I'm in the process of preparing a podcast about why America has lost wars. Mm. We're on a losing streak. And one of the reasons, I got a bunch of reasons, one of the reasons that we lose wars is we lose wars that we didn't have to win. Mm. 
We, yeah. We've yeah. never lost a war that we had to win. But the minute we get in a war that we don't have to win, it's not important enough. And we do this to ourselves. Look, when you have to win a war, if we, if, if we have to win a war, we will win that war. Do we say, hey, you know what? After one year, the soldiers can go home. No. No, we don't say that. We say, you'll fight until we win. Yeah. That's World War II. Yeah. Do we say, hey, you know what? We're not sure uh, how many troops we're going to deploy. No, we're going to deploy all of them. Oh, we don't know if a draft is the proper thing to do. No, we're going to draft everyone. Mm -hmm. If you're you're between the ages of 18 and 50-year-old male, you're going to go fight. That's, That's when we, one of the reasons that we, Lose wars because we lose wars that we don't have to win. Look, there's a chance we can win. Like we can go into the first Iraq war and we build up and we go, cool. And we play that first quarter and we're up by freaking 40 points. And we're like, cool. And we, the other team just says, we're not even coming back out. And we go, see, we won. Cool. High five. Yeah. We can do, we do that. But we get into wars that we don't have to win. And that is one of the reasons why we lose. So just like you're saying in life, if you expect someone to be able to put forth the effort and make the small sacrifices on a daily basis and the large sacrifices on a daily basis in order to get somewhere where they wanna be, there's if they don't really wanna be there, they won't be. I mean, you just talked about SEAL training. Yeah. Why do you guys quit SEAL training? Because they don't wanna be there anymore. And why do you guys not quit? Because that's all they want. There and you go. It's just not an option There's for them. No, yeah. And they don't allow that complacency to creep into their lives. And it's like like the premise of what you're just talking about, we, we lose wars that we didn't need to fight. That's because we get complacent and we start getting lazy and we just make stupid mistakes or and or things aren't a priority anymore. And you know, which it I mean, from there we can go down how many rabbit holes? Yep. And it's the same thing in your marriage, same relationship with your kids, parents, like training jujitsu, all all aspects of your life. Yep. Yeah, and really that's, as I started working on this, these various reasons why we lose wars, they all stem from that. Here's another thing, and I'll just, when we have to win, guess what we do with generals that aren't good? Get rid of them. We fire them. Yes. We fire them. We just go, oh yeah, you, you, you lost that battle, you're fired. That doesn't happen. If we don't have to win, it's like playing in a football game, Echo Charles. Yeah. If you're playing in a football game, that you don't have to win? Are you gonna put your star player in there? Well, you might, but you might save them. I mean, that happens, right? With the pre, preseason games, right? Yes. They're not putting the, the big stud in there. Maybe right. he'll play half the game. Yes. Am I right? Yep, you are right. Yeah. So what if, what if it's the state finals? Mm-hmm. What if it's the state finals? Yeah. He's playing. Yeah. He's yeah. playing. Yeah. Pete just showed me this kid, lacrosse kid. Did you see this? They taped this kid, they taped like a band, you know the band, like, like the stretchy bands for working out? Yeah. yeah. The guy tore, the kid tore his hamstring. <laughs> so they taped, they taped this band. It's incredible. To like the top of his thigh and to the top of his calf. So he had an artificial external hamstring to but, function. Because he was needed to win. Because he needed to win as a state championships. Or maybe it was the college, collegiate finals. But he had to win. There's no, there was no, there was nothing else. I, I love that mindset. And just the mindset of that kid as well, of just being like, yep, yep. let's yeah. go. Yeah, for sure. That kid in that game had to win. Mm. So if you're entering into wars, you're going to make all kinds of decisions that are a little bit off, 
little bit off. Hey, I've done that. Like, oh, we're in task unit bruiser. We're in a training mission. And one of my junior officers does something stupid. Do I say like, hey, stop you. I'm gonna take over? No, let him keep going. Do something stupid in the field, like on a mission? Like, hey, get in the Humvee, I got that. Like, yeah. you're, not, you're not playing around. So that's when you ask these questions, when you ask that question about like what causes a person to not do the right things, because they don't have to win. And when you don't have to win, you make the easy, make little, cut little corners. I mean, how many times do we see this with our clients? The businesses we work with, yeah, like they just get complacent, they get comfortable, and they start making all those mistakes because the they have allowed the disease of victory to creep mm -hmm. in as well. Yeah, you you need almost an existential threat, a threat to your very existence. That happens with companies. Yep. Companies are they're hiring a bunch of people. They got a bunch of overhead. Everything's going good. Maybe they oh, like they take a little they take a little hit. Maybe they didn't make as much money, but it's okay. As soon as that things go upside down and they're losing money, all of a sudden you'll see them take, making real decisions. Mm -hmm. Like hey, we're firing these number of people. We're cutting this division away. Yeah. Like this is what we're doing. Yeah. They didn't do it when there wasn't an when there wasn't a threat to their existence. Mm -hmm. So. These are important things to think about because you, you get in this habit of allowing sabotage to happen in your team, in your business, in your life, and it sneaks up on you. <clears throat> Section here, motivating the saboteur. To incite the citizen to the active practice of simple sabotage and to keep him practicing that sabotage over sustained periods is a special problem. Simple sabotage is often an act which the citizen performs according to his own initiative and inclination. Acts of destruction do not bring him any personal gain and may completely and may be completely foreign to his habitual conservative attitude toward materials and tools. Purposeful stupidity is contrary to human nature. He frequently needs pressure, stimulation, or assurance, and information and suggestions regarding reasonable and feasible methods of simple sabotage. So what he's saying, you're, you're asking someone, you know, in let's say occupied France to go out and, and conduct sabotage. What do they have to gain from it? Well, they can get caught by the Nazis, they can get killed, right? There's, there's all those things. Now, you should be conducting sabotage where it's hard to catch you, but that's what they're up against. So how do you motivate them? It says here, personal motives. The ordinary citizen very probably has no immediate personal motive for committing simple sabotage. Instead, he must be made to anticipate indirect personal gain, such as might come with the enemy evacuation or destruction, of the ruling government group, gains should be stated as specifically as possible for the area addressed. So what they're saying is you gotta say, listen, hey, French resistance fighter, when we get the Nazis out of there, you're gonna be elevated into a heroic position, you're gonna be elevated into the new government position, like you're gonna be given rewards. You need to let them know that. This was interesting. Abstract verbalizations about personal liberty, freedom of the press, and so on will not be convincing in most parts of the world. In many areas, they will not even be comprehensible. That's pretty interesting. That you can be saying, don't you want freedom? And there's some people in the world that are like, no, dude, I want just to like be left alone with my family. I just want to grow my crops or whatever. It's the only thing they know. Yeah. Yep. 
So think about these things when, and I wrote about this in Leadership Strategy and Tactics, I called it the threat of why. People gotta understand how, it impa- how it's gonna help you, JP. So when I'm saying to JP, hey JP, if you could sell more of these widgets, or you could make more of these widgets every day, that'd be great. And JP's like, well, I'm making 20 a day, I'm getting my paycheck, how am I benefit by working extra hard and making 25? What do I get from that? Yeah. Still, I work this, do I work the same amount of hours, I, but I worked harder the whole time, I didn't take extra breaks, I was a little bit stressed, well how does that, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But if I say, hey JP, if you can make these things, if you can make 25 a day, we're gonna be able to sell them for a little bit cheaper. If we can sell them for a little bit cheaper, we're gonna sell more of them. If we sell more of them, we're gonna need more people to work here. If we need more people to work here, guess who's gonna be in charge of them? You. Yeah. Guess what that means? More money and you won't be on that line anymore. Gonna be in charge of it. All of a sudden, I show you the opportunity that you might have. I can't motivate you by saying, "Hey, JP, if you can really make some extra widgets every day, our shareholders are going to get a bigger dividend." Oh, I can't wait! That, <laughs> right? That doesn't mean you don't care about that. Why would you? So make sure that you're motivating people with things that actually make sense to them and have a real impact with them. <clears throat> Going on, since the effect of his own acts is limited, the saboteur may become discouraged unless he feels that he is a member of a large, though unseen, group of saboteurs operating against the enemy or the government of his own country and elsewhere. So it's very important that you make people recognize and, and feel that they are part of a larger group that is moving in the same direction. You can't just feel like you're out there doing this by yourself. And how do you do that? And it goes into how I do it here. But you basically do that by propagating the story, by explaining how that was helpful, by bringing that team together and letting the team know, hey, JP, you might be working alone you know, on this line today, but the night shift last night, they did 27. And the morning shift, they, did, they only did 19. But that morning shift that did 27, they're getting a little bonus. What do you mean bonus? Yeah, because they're helping everyone out. Oh, okay and all of a sudden you recognize you're part of something bigger. And then it says, and I like this, more important than those two reasons here it says would be to create a situation in which the citizen saboteur acquires a sense of responsibility and begins to educate others in simple sabotage. So when you make people feel responsible for what's happening in their country, and what's happening in their neighborhood and what's happening in their family, that's the most powerful of these motivations that you can give somebody. It goes on here to talk about encouraging destructiveness, which some people kind of have in their soul. They want to destroy things, but some people don't. It says, it should be pointed out that to the saboteur where the circumstances are suitable, that he is acting in self-defense against the enemy or retaliating against the enemy for acts of destruction. A reasonable amount of humor in the presentation of suggestions for simple sabotage will relax tensions of fear. Humor is a tool, use it. The saboteur might have to reverse his thinking and he should be told in so many words. Where he formerly thought of keeping his tools sharp, he would now let them go dull. Surfaces that were formerly lubricated should now be sanded. Normally diligent, he should now be lazy and careless and so on. I'm starting to get the feeling Echo's been sabotaging me this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Once he is encouraged to think backwards about himself 
and the objects of his everyday life, the saboteur will see many opportunities in his immediate environment which cannot possibly be seen from a distance. A state of mind should be encouraged that anything can be sabotaged. Now, what is amazing about this? This is a very bold form of decentralized command. Uh Literally saying, hey, I can't tell JP what to do on the front lines. I can't tell him how to best sabotage the machine shop that he works in. He's gotta figure out the best way to do it. He's gotta look for it. Which the opposite of that is equally true. I can't figure out the way for JP to be most efficient. He's gotta be the one that's given the authority and the autonomy and the freedom to think about the best way to do it and present me with a plan. Hey boss, I'm making this widget every day and you've got me carrying every five pack, you've got me carrying them across the whole the whole platform here, across the whole factory. It takes me like a minute and a half to get over there, a minute and a half to get back. If I stack them all up here, by the end of the day, someone could just go come and grab them, make one trip. I'll save three minutes every 15 minutes. Wow, thank you. So yes, decentralized sabotage is a good thing if you're in that mode of war. But in your business, are you giving decentralized control and inspirado to become more efficient? Because if you're not doing that, if you're not encouraging that, if I'm just like, hey, JP, here's your job, do it. And you say, hey, I thought if I, hey, listen, just do your job. Hey, it might be, no, just do your job. If that's what I'm doing, I'm not helping. Yeah. <sighs> Among the potential citizen saboteurs who are to engage in physical destruction, two extreme types may be distinct distinguished on the one hand there is a man who is not technically trained and employed this man needs specific suggestions as to what he can and should destroy as well as the details regarding the tools by means of which destruction is accomplished the other extreme is a man who's a technician such as a lathe operator or an automobile mechanic presumably this man would be able to devise methods of simple sabotage which would be appropriate to his own facilities However, this man needs to be stimulated to reorient his thinking in the direction of destruction. Specific examples which need not be from his own field should accomplish this. Again, it's very important to realize that people, we all get trained. We get trained into a way of thinking. And if JP, if I take over a factory and the last boss that worked there was a a tyrant who told everyone, shut up and do what I told you to do, when I take over, and I see that we could be more efficient, but I'm not quite sure how, I'm gonna have to retrain JP's brain. Because JP, he offered a suggestion six years ago, got yelled at, mm-hmm. he hasn't, he, he offered one three weeks after that, got yelled at again, he hasn't said a word since. He's got his paycheck, and he's gotten out of it. He might have even looked for another job. So you gotta retrain people's brains so that they're thinking a different way. Extremely important. Um, various media can be used to disseminate suggestions. Good, it goes through that. It talks about safety measures. The amount of activity carried on by the saboteur shall be governed on, not only by the number of opportunities he sees, but also by the amount of danger he feels. Bad news travels fast. Simple sabotage will be discouraged if too many simple saboteurs are arrested. Good point. And guess what they do to the saboteurs? They execute them publicly. That's why. That's the propaganda that comes back. So when you're in a leadership position, 
and somebody offers a suggestion and you execute them by yelling at them or whatever, mm-hmm. you're encouraging or ensuring that no one else does that. Whereas when JP says, hey, I think this would be faster if we go this way, and I lift up JP, and I give him an award, or I reward him some way, all of a sudden other people go, oh, this is a positive thing. We should be making suggestions. We should be see how we can be more efficient. Same leadership principles apply. It, I mean, it's the same thing that you do when you're training an animal. Yeah. Like a horse or a dog. I mean, you give them rewards. And if they make a mistake, obviously there should be punishment. But what's unique about that is the punishment should be at the most, uh, like the least amount possible. Mm -hmm. And then you escalate from there as needed to where you hit that threshold to Mm -hmm. correct it. And then you bring it back down when they make the correction and you reward them. Reward them, yeah. And it's just, it's the same thing with how we treat our people. It's the same thing with how you treat your kids. And, you know, in, in, you know, as you're saying all these things, I, I'm writing down a bunch of things, but I know we talk about this often is teach your, teach your people how to think, not what to think. And you're asking these people to go out there and do all these acts of sabotage. You got to teach them how to think. And, you know, it's the same thing when you're training up your people in your organization. Like your goal as a leader, as we all know, is to replace yourself. And unfortunately, society has been conditioned to think the opposite of like, well, if I have somebody that can do my job, I'm going to lose my job. They're a threat. They're a threat to me. (laughs) That's a form of sabotage, you know, that people do because they start disseminating those little lies within themselves of like, well, if Echo can do my job, I mean, I mean, well, then Echo's probably going to take my job. And it's just, it's, it's sad to see how people have been conditioned that way just from all aspects of yep. your life. And as a leader, you gotta be aware of that. Yes. You gotta be aware that JP's not lazy or unmotivated. He's just been trained not to give mm-hmm. input. He's been trained to keep his mouth shut. Yeah. And some bosses want that. They're losers. They're losers. A good boss wants the team to give feedback and explanations and advice and suggestions. Mm-hmm. Isn't it weird? Sometimes you got to put a suggestion box up, right? Sure. And what's crazy is like the, the only time it works is if it's anonymous. Yeah, like anonymous suggestion box. <laughs> that's that's like a a training wheel to try and get people back to like please talk to us and tell us what's going on. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Check. Uh, use materials which appear to be innocent. A knife or nail file can be carried normally on your person. Either is multi-purpose instrument for creating damage. Matches, pebbles, hair, salt, nails, dozens of other destructive agents can be carried or kept in your living quarters without even exciting any suspicion whatsoever. If you're a worker in trade industry, you can easily carry such things as wrenches, hammers, emery paper, and the like. So there you go. This is important. Trying to Try to commit acts for which large numbers of people could be responsible. For instance, if you blow out the wiring in the factory at a central firebox, almost anyone could have done it. <laughs> ah, it's good stuff. Um, fast forward a little bit. The citizen saboteur cannot be closely controlled, nor is it reasonable to expect that simple sabotage can be precisely concentrated on specific ty- types of target according to the requirements of a concrete military situation. So again, this is decentralized command. Things are gonna get a little bit loose. Hey, with decentralized command, there's risk. Yep. There's risk with decentralized command. 
there are going to be times where things, you know, JP does something that wasn't good. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's going to be a time when JP, I let him do this. 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 Good, 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 good. I let him do this. And all of a sudden something else happens. That if you're if you're using decentralized command, there are gonna be times where you're like, huh, okay, I gotta <laughs> I gotta go gotta do some damage control here. Like that was a little bit much. Okay. Like that's gonna happen. And that's okay. Matter of fact, I just had this conversation with somebody at Echelon Front. Um, they were like, Oh, I'm sorry that I didn't let you know. And I was like, Hey, you don't have to be sorry that you didn't let me know. If I had everyone letting me know everything that they were doing all day long and they were waiting for my approval, no one would be doing anything. That stresses me out. Yeah, no one would be doing anything. It's no factor. It's literally no factor. I'm happy that you did this. So it's like no factor. That's why we have CCIRs, by the way. Mm -hmm. That's why we have critical, commander's critical information reports. So if you do something that is really bad, you will know, oh, JP had a client that uh, wants their money back. Yep, he's gonna call me immediately. Yeah. It's never happened, but if it ever happened, he'd be like, hey, Jocko, this client wants their money back. I'd be like, okay, what happened? But you see what I'm saying? Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna reverse engineer this one. Yeah, that so one's gonna never happen again. But when you, there is risk associated with decentralized command, but, the risk of centralized command is infinitely worse because now instead of me having 10 things happen, one of them is a little bit outside the box. Instead, I have one thing happen and it was inside the box and nine things don't happen and you lose. (sighs) So keep that in mind. Um, The saboteur should be ingenious in using his everyday equipment. We kind of got through that. The saboteur should never attack targets behind his capa- beyond his capacity or the capacity of his in- instruments. Cool, fair enough. The saboteur should be com- encouraged to attack transportation and it goes into this whole thing. So part of this manual is actually like the technical piece of this, like the technical part of how to how to conduct actual physical sabotage. We're not gonna go into a bunch of that. You know, it's got about, it's got about buildings, it's got about warehouses, barracks, offices, hotels, factories, how you can do it. You can do it with fires, you can do it with floods. Train tracks. Train tracks, that's transportation. In the floods thing, um, saturate a sponge with a thick starch or sugar solution, squeeze it tightly into a ball, wrap it with its string, and let it dry. Remove the string when it's fully dried. The sponge will be in the form of a tight, hard ball. Flush down a toilet or otherwise introduce into a sewer line. The sponge will gradually expand to its normal size and plug the sewage system. <laughs> gradually over time, Dude. you're gone. It's a day or two. God. No connection back to you. I, you know, I got my truck, um, I, 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 you know, I, an F-250, so it's, it's a diesel, turbo mm-hmm. diesel. Everything was great. I was driving it back um, from St. Louis where I got it. And... It was awesome. And then I get gas, everything's good to go. I get gas one more time at a gas station I thought was gonna be good because there's a, it's just a large gas station, bunch mm-hmm. of pumps. <clears throat> well, what's awesome about this gas station is a bunch of pumps for like regular vehicles. There's not a lot of diesel vehicles that go through there. So I had, I got a, t- 
Now, thank God, it was only half a tank. So I was—I don't like my vehicles getting below half a yeah. tank. Well, that SOP for me saved me because when I filled up the half a tank, it was uh, bad diesel fuel, Ugh. which caused problems. But it wasn't initial; it wasn't mm. right away. So I'm driving it, no issue. The next day, can't—I can't start my brand new vehicle, yeah. and I am—I can't figure it out. Called this guy that came to remember, uh, remember that couple that came to FTX 001? The guy was a diesel mechanic. They lived in Texas. Oh, yeah, him yeah, and his yeah. wife came yeah. to the after, yeah. dude. The guy had like grizzly bear oh. paw hands, you know, awesome guy. So I like text him. He's a diesel mechanic. I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, well, the first problem is you got a Ford. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool, thanks. Uh, <laughs> however, <laughs> you know, he's a he's a he's a Dodge guy. Okay, yeah. and so he's giving me a hard time, and uh, we're going through everything. And he's like, hey man, you got bad you got bad fuel. Yep. And it was just like a, so the only reason why I'm sharing the story is it's a simple thing of like, I didn't realize it right away. It wasn't drastic enough. And I had to, I tried to drain it. And then I had to put a crap ton of fuel additives and water separation things in there and just literally just drive it. Once it actually started, I had to keep it running and try to burn as much fuel, put clean fuel in there, put more out. I mean, it was a nightmare, but, mm-hmm. and that was one simple thing of it had like bad diesel fuel yeah. that had some water in it and it was and imagine if that was your tank and you were rolling into combat with 50 other tanks that had been all fueled with the same fuel that someone had pissed in yep yeah that's the kind of thing that is just disaster mm-hmm. uh it goes into all this kind of stuff paper jams here's one jam paper bits of wood hairpins and anything else that will fit into the locks of all unguarded entrances to public buildings this is just horrible man it talks about tools how you could just like let your let your tools all be dull let your saws be twisted clean files by knocking them against the vice or the, of or the workplace they're easily broken Bits and drills will snap under heavy pressure. Everything is like this. It's just talking about how you can just ruin everything. Oil and lubrication lubrication systems are not only vulnerable, but also easy to sabotage. Boom, there you go. Put metal dust or filings, fine sand, ground glass, emery dust, and similar hard, gritty substances directly into lubrication systems. Freaking terrible. Using, and and again, the, the comparison to life is these are all little, tiny, barely noticeable things that destroy and wear you down over time mm-hmm. and break you. Eventually, you ru- you're ruined because of little, tiny things. Uh, use a thin oil or heavy oil as prescribed. Cooling systems. Talks about how to freaking cause problems with them. Here's the one I was, that you almost dealt with. Water, urine, wine, or any simple liquid you can get in reasonably lo- large quantities will dilute gasoline fuel to a point where it's no longer combustible. <laughs> Here's a little pro for Elon Musk. Electric motors. Electric motors are more restricted th- than the targets so far discussed. They cannot be sabotaged as easily or without risk of injury by ins- unskilled persons who may otherwise have good opportunities for destruction. The electric motor's a little hard to mess with. See, I mean, I believe that, mm-hmm. but in my mind, I feel like I could cause a good amount of damage to an electric motor. Yeah, without well, like, but but of with equal effort. How? In my mind, what would you do? That's my ego talking right now. But initially, I'm telling you right now, I'm just thinking like, to me, uh, like an electric. Uh, I mean, like even the new vehicles that we have, you're driving computers. Yeah. Any one little thing, like any yeah. one little chip or fuse 
it can literally shut down your whole vehicle. True. I have my grandfather's old 83 Ford, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like that thing was sitting for years in my grandparents' barn. Two years ago, my grandmother hurt herself on the property and was like, hey, I got to, I'm selling the property, I gotta move. I flew out there literally the very next morning mm -hmm. to start unloading stuff from the property. And you know, I had that truck there that I had bought from her when my grandfather passed away and her old Volkswagen that Amanda bought from her. And so I had to get those things shipped out of there and I, I had to get them started. They had been sitting for years mm -hmm. and years and years and all I had to do was go get a fuel separator to separate the water from the, mm -hmm. from the gas, get some new gas, change out a filter, get some a carb cleaner, and just basically put a whole thing of carb cleaner in there and be like cranking it. And I was able to get that truck started and it'd been sitting forever. And I just feel like an electric engine or motor or vehicle, like you just start literally just, just start, just start pulling, pulling wires. Pulling wires. <laughs> now I get what he's saying though. Like if you're not trained, it can cause injury to yourself. Mm -hmm. but. I don't know. Again, yeah. this is my ego talking. I, went I just to, I kind of want to set up a comparison. I, I, went training. To, I went to a school for stealing cars. And <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Think about, just think about what he just said. The yeah. SEAL team sent him. He was paid per diem to go yeah. learn how to steal cars. And one thing that we learned real quick is the modern cars are a lot harder to steal. You kind of have to be a little bit of a specialist and you probably have to have some special tools if you're gonna, and today this is even truer. I was gonna say, when was this yeah. schooling? Like? This school is like in the mid 90s. Oh, yeah, and now. so you needed like cars like that 1985. Yeah. Like 1985, you can walk up and you can get that thing started. Like, like yeah. you can make it happen. Some of them are so easy, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. You can basically, some of them, you basically would take a screwdriver, a flathead screwdriver, yep. hammer it into the ignition and just crank it really hard and it would turn like the key. Mm -hmm. Like that was the, the the key was the actual, the little mechanism of the key was the thing that was stopping it from starting. You know, so all you had to do was get that thing to turn. Uh, those those wheel, like they had, they had wheel locks and all you had to do was just crank that and it would break off. So it was really easy to steal and those older cars, but as soon as you get, like I said, into the 90s, like you're talking about the cars with whatever kind of computer chips they have in them, they have little shutdown systems. It's it's way harder to steal them. You can't, so I could start, so Amanda has an expedition and uh, we learned this, She dropped. Uh, we learned this firsthand, she dropped me off at the airport. I drove, you know, so I drove uh, our family there. I get out. Keys. Keys in my pocket, <laughs> but vehicle's still running. Of so, course. I mean, they can it can stay running without it. Uh, I get out. And um, I'm walking and I get a missed call. Or I have a missed call and I didn't r recognize it. And I get another one, I'm like, hey. And she's like, hey, uh, I need the key. I'm like, I tap, my, I'm like, dang it. And so she couldn't drive it though. Without oh. that key in the vehicle, yeah. it will not drive. So I have a buddy that, you know, he has a, he has a dog that he brings everywhere with him. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does. He leaves the car running with his dog in there, locks it, keeps the key fob with them, hmm. even if you broke in, you physically cannot drive that vehicle without the key fob in there. I think Teslas have a pet mode. They do have a pet mode. Where it just keeps yeah. it cool in there. Mm -hmm. They of, do. That's pretty cool. Kind of cool. Teslas. One just broke the record on the Nuremberg track for, uh, for the Nuremberg ring for, um, what is it? Fastest production car. Didn't say. Yep. You been in one, a fast one? I have, um, yeah, we had a client back. I uh, was working with them in December of 2018, um, and um, 
yeah, he had one back then. And that was like the new yeah. fast one back then. Yeah. And he took his in and it was like, oh, okay. It's 1.9, 1. 1. 0.60 now for the plaid. That's insane. 1.9. My, one of my friends had a, a Audi R8. Those are sick. I have a buddy that has one of those. It had the 10 cylinder. Mm -hmm. it, was the, it was the good one. Mm -hmm. And we were like at a stoplight in a, in a, you know, a city area. And he floored it, like when the thing turned green, and I was, like, I was laughing pretty hard. It's awesome when you're like, stop. Yeah. yeah. But so that thing probably did zero to sixty in three, one or point three nine. one point nine, and apparently it can beat that. Apparently they say, hey, it's one point nine, but it can actually do less than that. And they just know that someone's going to legitimately kill themselves if they can go that fast. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but. Don't worry, JP can sabotage it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Again, my ego was talking, but it's like that initial, like, wait, what? It goes on, like, it goes on, like I said, it talks about transformers, it talks about turbines, it talks about metals. Um, production of mining it just goes into everything and again this is real tactical stuff how to how to disturb agricultural production what you were talking about railways what can, what you can do there I kind of thought this was funny railways travel make train travels inconvenient as possible for enemy personnel make mistakes in issuing train tickets leaving portions of the journey uncovered by the ticket book issue two tickets for the same seat in the train so that an interesting argument will result near train time instead of issuing printed tickets write them out slowly by hand prolonging the process until the train is nearly ready to leave or has left the station on station bulletin boards announcing train arrivals and departures see that false and misleading information is given about trains bound for enemy destinations in trains bound for enemy destinations attendants should make life as uncomfortable as possible for passengers <laughs> see that the food is especially bad <laughs> take up tickets after midnight call all station stops very loudly during the night handle baggage as noisily as possible during the night and so on see that the luggage of the economy person personnel is mislaid or unloaded in the wrong station switch address labels on enemy baggage Engineers should see that the trains run slow or make unscheduled stops for plausible reasons. So there you go. If you've traveled much, this seems like there's a lot of this. I happening. feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm living this. I uh, had a unique travel uh, story getting here. So hey, who knows? this uh, manual. Who is mm -hmm. this for? This manual. So this manual is for agents of the OSS. So these are people that are what became the CIA. These people did espionage. They did undercover work. They also did. They also work with the military as well. So they they would do forward operations, going into areas before the military arrived. Those kind of people. But this is for those people to train up the French resistance. Gotcha. So that's yeah. those type. They're training those types of people. And, and actually, they were they were mostly successful. Uh, they were the, they were very successful in in Asia. Hmm. In in like when we had uh, Ben Milligan on yeah. by Water Beneath the Walls, awesome book. Please Dude, get it. Incredible, incredible, book. just insane, insane book. It makes me want to go back through buds and go back into the teams again. Of course, it makes me want to go back. It makes me want to go back to 1940 and be part of the NCDUs and stay alive and just live, just go through every, every just stay in for the past whatever it is. Damn. How many years is that? 
What year was it again? 1940. I mean, from oh, the beginning so we're of World War six, uh, We're talking 80. 83 years. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy because SEAL Team 1, they had the 60th anniversary this year. Yeah. And when I got to SEAL Team 1, I went to the 30th anniversary. It's insane. You know what's coming up in August? Yeah, the 40th, 40th anniversary of SEAL, Seal Team 3. three. Yeah. It's, in, it's incredible. Yeah, that book, he won... It, it gave me a huge sense of pride in yeah. the SEAL teams and being a part of the community. And whether you're in the SEAL teams for four years or, or 40 years, it was just, I, he is so incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. And his ability to articulate and share those stories and bring honor to those men and honor to our community was just insane. To the point where, I, I mean, I turned 40 in March and I'm thinking like, man, if I had to do it again, could I? And I was like, and I even like tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Jack. Like now going through buds tomorrow, that would be, I'm yeah, that would be a struggle. But being in a platoon and deploying, like, you know, could I, if I had to get myself ready to go through it again, could I? And the answer is absolutely yes. Oh, yeah. 100% yes. Um, but you know, like I think about when I was 19 years old going through buds, it was just, you know, completely different. I was 145 pounds and, you know, life was different, but that book was so just it was i mean he did such a good job representing yeah. the seal teams and the research that he did <laughs> actual and, research yeah, and yeah. not like so much good research and you know explaining the, the explaining where we came from mm-hmm. and i've had guys from vietnam the vietnam era seals read that book and they love it they every seal loves that book yeah because he brought information to light that we just didn't know as a community, we didn't know. Which is crazy. It should be mandatory reading when you're going through training. It should be. Um, when I got to the team, there was nothing written down anywhere. Yeah. Nothing. Do you believe in mandatory reading? Yes. Yeah. I do. I wish I wish I, About Face would have been mandatory. Yeah, I, I I've texted you that so many I times. I should have done more of it. I didn't do it. You know? I didn't yeah. do it. I should, And you know what I should have done is I shouldn't have done mandatory reading. I should have done, like, optional book club. Yeah. I was just curious. Bro, That's I mean, why I said mandatory. You 100% would have gone, and so would everybody. Yeah. Like if I would have said, hey, we're going to have optional book club or, hey, optional, you know, hey, we're going to talk, we're going to do some some uh, brief on history today. I just it's going to make you a better warfighter. Exactly. Done. Exactly. But, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's, I absolutely should have done that and I didn't, and I apologize. I tried like I I would you know what I was always I was always more I was always more uh, I was always more controlling over like the officers yeah you know because I I felt like the e-dogs they you know they had work to do and they I wanted to give them the space you know what I mean like I didn't even make I never made an enlisted guy come train jujitsu but I made officers come train jujitsu and yeah I've always wanted to actually ask you that question of like, hey, do you believe in mandatory this? Because it kind of goes against a lot of the stuff that we teach and that we live by. But I mean, as a 40 year old man uh, who has a family, who I have a 17 year old son, you Mm -hmm. know, who we're trying to prepare to be a young man that contributes to society to be an asset and not a liability. It's the same thing with our twin daughters is I look, you know, I think about and I've texted you this before and it was never like a, hey, you know, it was just us talking, you know, like we do. And I mean, from the standpoint of like now looking back, man, I would have loved 
for you and Seth or anybody, anybody, uh, anybody, uh, you know, to have been like, hey, JP, you have to read this book, and here's why. Because I also know that yeah. if you would have mandated anything, there would have been a why behind it. It's like, okay, I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like things that, um, you know, if you can spin it in, in a different way, I'm not saying mandatory, obviously, because that forces people to shut down and you know you make it their idea obviously they're going to take ownership mm-hmm. they're going to bring it on board more i just i mean there's things like man if i was 22 years old if i would have read about face when i was 22 years old man yeah. i think if even if it would have kept me from doing one of the many stupid things i did when i was 22 yeah. and or just you know just and that's why i'm thankful that my parents had us in church and reading the bible that was a non-negotiable mm-hmm. for our family is going to church mm-hmm. Because, you know, and and they did, but they didn't do it in a way that was like, hey, you're going to do this. It was a, hey, this is important, and this is why. Yeah. And my dad shared stories as to why it was important, and my mom did as well. And that was like, I'm glad. And so forth. Our family, it was like, no, 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 we're going to church. We're going to be praying. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to learn to have like some knowledge and relationship with Jesus. And this is why. Yeah. You know? And you don't, you let them want to do it. Um. Two things. Number one, as we're sitting here talking about like, oh, like having reading, mandatory reading. Mm-hmm. Think about our schedule when we were in a task unit together. I, yeah. Like seriously, like think about our schedule. <laughs> Honestly, think about our schedule. Like there is there is no holes in that schedule. And, you know, I, I, I just feel like yeah, it would have been hard. I should have done it, though. I could have found holes. I could have found holes. There's holes when I was sitting at the bar drinking. There you go. That I could have been at there home. There you go. <laughs> I should have I mean. found holes. I should have found holes. Hey, also, man, like, you know, a lot of guys just aren't into reading at that age or at that time in their yeah. lives. And, you know? and I agree. And I agree with what you're saying, the whole thing. You're thinking from, and with like all due respect, you're looking at it from the standpoint of like the amount of reading you do now. Yeah. yeah. If you would have been like, JP, 10 minutes of reading a day. Yeah, I should have done it, man. Anybody, you know, I'm not saying you should have done. It. I'm just saying, like, I look at it from a standpoint of like, there are some things as we get older, there is a there is a a, a good way that I think, like, so that's what I'm trying to do as a, as a parent is just like, you know, there are things that it's just like, hey, you're gonna do, and one of it is with our kids is like is reading now because I realize how much better of a person that could have made me is like reading these different books when I was younger. And so I've always wanted to ask you that. Yeah, question. well, there's that. There's also the, I always kind of kick myself cause I wasn't, I didn't give like great, I didn't spend time with guys on life. Like if you were in my platoon, we didn't talk about your life. Like, oh, here's a good savings plan. You should look at buying a house. Like why are you buying that freaking brand new Ford F-350 Super Duty Harley Davidson you know, $92,000 truck with your reenlistment bonus. I didn't have those conversations with dudes. Yeah. You know, for me, it was like, we're, we're doing work. That's what we're mm-hmm. doing. And, and I almost always felt like, uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, like, dude, it's your life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. hey, it's, it's, hey, this, you know, he's young. He's going to get, he's out there getting after a freaking nice truck, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. kind of that thing. And I just think that, I think that I didn't, even recognize how much guidance guys could use at that phase. Yeah. That's what I think. But 
Yes, I agree with that for sure. That would have been awesome because, you know, I'm 40 and my wife and I just closed on our own, our first house, like together, <laughs> which is crazy. But hey, whatever. It's a nice house. We skipped some nice steps along house. the way. Um, you went straight to the keeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, which, thank you, by the way, for that opportunity, <laughs> sure. you and Leif. Um, but, um, but the th yes, I agree with what you're saying. But from my perspective, looking back when I was 22 years old, 23 years old, Guess what? Like, yeah, we could have had some conversations about my finance and my life. And hey, JP, why are you why are you still living paycheck to paycheck? You know, and doing those things. But at for you from that leadership standpoint, I also know you're evaluating that leadership capital and what you were putting us through in training to prepare us for war, which was much more, much more important than hey, JP, are your finances are uh, aligned? Because guess what? There wasn't a lot of us that thought myself or a lot of the guys were gonna come back from that deployment. And it's like, hey, if I can train these guys as hard as physically possible, and the emphasis is training for war and also maintaining the high level leadership capital that you had that you legitimately could ask us to do anything in combat, anything in combat, and we were gonna do it for you, we we're gonna do it for Leif, we we're gonna do it for Seth, we were going to do that. That was much more important than saying, hey man, why did you just you know trade in your truck for a brand new yeah. Mustang? Like I, I just like I, yeah. I understand what you're saying, but I'm gonna respectfully push back on that one, yeah, saying sure. that you, Leif and Seth, did the absolute best thing that you possibly could have done. I was also severely uh, institutionalized, and by institutionalized, I mean like I was part of. I didn't I didn't know much about like I was in the teams, dude. As you know, like oh, I wasn't same. Yeah, yeah, like we were all in the teams, and when you're that's what we we're looking at. And like it was just the teams, and then there's nothing else. The, the The rest of the world is is like an unknown thing that you don't really care about. <laughs> uh, and then also the other thing I was going to say about uh, you know with your parents and going to church and not being mandatory, but not, but also at the same time, there's a an expression I picked up from Echo, which is like, oh, that's just how, like. Hmm. There's not even why that, that's just like that's just how we that's just how we do things. Yeah, you know, like oh, like on Sunday we're going to church. That's just how. Like there's not even it's you know when you that's just how that's just how we do it. Then yeah. that's all there is to it. And so you don't even you don't even have the perspective to be like, wait a second, well, why are we doing this? You don't even need an explanation. That's just what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's a lot of things in the teams are like that. Like that's just that's just how that's you just know that, that's just how it's going. I like that. That's just what we're doing. Uh, so there you go. Um, definitely some things I will improve upon in my next life. Um, continues to talk about travel, distribute broken glass nails and sharp rocks on roads to puncture tires. That's good information. How to how to mess people up on water, communications, a whole chunk of stuff about electric power, and then finally, we get back into this this thing that I I think is really pertinent to our lives as people, especially our lives in a leadership position inside of an organization. So this section is called general interferences, general, general interference with organizations and production. Basically, this is how do you sabotage a business or a team, <laughs> okay? Starts off with organizations and conferences. One, insist on doing everything through channels. Never permit shortcuts to be taken in order to expedite 
decisions. Like how many times is someone who oh, I got to run out up through the chain? I gotta, yeah, I got to put that through. That actually got to go through the supply. Like that's such a destructive mode of operating. Number two, make speeches. Talk as frequently as possible and at great length. Illustrate your points by long anecdotes and accounts of personal experiences. <laughs> Never hesitate to make a few appropriate patriotic comments. Gosh, this has this is wasted. This has destroyed and wasted so much time in the world when people just start telling stories. It literally calls it out. Long anecdotes and accounts of your personal experiences. This is freaking heinous, dude. Oh. <laughs> oh, look out for that one. Um, Some layers there. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, on the other side, is like, this is, take all these things and think about what to do if you're trying to ruin something. And think about what you can do to sure. not do this stuff. Yeah. Like, hey, don't make a bunch of speeches. No one cares about the freaking time you did this, that, and the other thing back in 1996. <laughs> like, just don't say it. No one cares. So be quiet. <sighs> Number three, when possible, refer all matters to committees for further study and consideration. Attempt to make the committees as large as possible, never less than five. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> oh, and yet it happens all the time. Hmm. It's also a, a sign of someone that doesn't want to make a decision. And I'll give you a little hint. You don't have to make a big decision. You can just make a little iterative decision. Mm -hmm. You make a little iterative decision and say, hey, JP, you know what? Go ahead, try it. Report back to me tomorrow and see what kind of feedback you get. Boom, done. <laughs> done, we're done. Instead, of that, I can either say that or I can say, you know what, JP, why don't you form up a small committee of people, get together and discuss and come up with a proposal to me on how we can solve this entire problem. But like, this is going nowhere. And by the way, I want a minimum of five people in there. Like, it's just it's never gonna work. It's crazy. Um, bring, up, <laughs> bring up irrelevant issues as frequently as possible. <laughs> Okay, there you go. Um, just so, just keep your mouth shut. Haggle over precise wordings of communications, minutes, and resolutions. Refer back to matters decided upon at the last meeting and attempt to reopen the question of the advisability of that decision. Uh, you know, it's, it's terrible because we get to see a lot of this, you know, we get to sit yeah. in a lot of meetings with a lot of clients and you get to see a lot of these behaviors take place. Um, advocate caution. It's, there's a lot of, a lot of quotes here in this advocate quote caution, be quote reasonable and urge your fellows, fellow conferencees to also be reasonable, reasonable and avoid haste which might result in embarrassments or difficulties later on. Isn't it funny that in the military there's like a whole, a whole problem with being risk averse and people not wanna take any risk and I don't wanna look bad and all that stuff and here's yeah. like an actual advice on how to sabotage a team is by making people, hey, you should, I don't know if you should do that, JP. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff is so harsh. Uh, be worried about the propriety of any decision, raise the question of whether such action is contemplated um, 
lies within jurisdiction of the group or whether it might conflict with the policy of some higher echelon. We've all heard that before. I don't know what the boss is going to think. Hey, you better think. You know what I mean? Just well, is that? Do you, do you think we have the authority to make that decision? Next section is managers and supervisors demand written orders. Misunderstand quote misunderstand orders. Ask endless questions or engage in long correspondence about such orders. Quibble over them when you can. Do everything possible to delay the delivery of orders. Even though parts of an order may be ready beforehand, don't deliver it until it's completely ready. Isn't it interesting how that right there, there's so many organizations that won't tell the team what's going on mm-hmm. so they can start to prepare for whatever's coming their way, but they don't know everything so they don't say anything. Tell people what's going on. Don't order new working materials until your current stocks have been virtually exhausted, so the slightest delay in filling your order will mean a shutdown. Order high-quality materials, which are hard to get. If you don't get them, argue about it. Warn that inferior materials will mean inferior work. Boy, you can hear this stuff all day, every day across the United States in businesses. In making work assignments, always sign out the unimportant jobs first. See that the important jobs are assigned to inefficient workers of of poor machines. Insist on perfect work in relatively unimportant products. Ooh. Send back for refinishing those which have the least flaw. Approve defected parts whose flaws are not visible to the naked eye. How much time is wasted making something that will work perfect? It's going to work, man. Go with it. Make mistakes in routing so that parts and materials will get sent to the wrong place in the wrong, in the wrong plant. When training new workers, give an incomplete or misleading instructions. To lower morale and with it, production, be pleasant to inefficient workers. Give them undeserved promotions. <laughs> Discriminate against efficient workers. Complain unjustly about their work. <laughs> Hold conferences when there is more critical work to be done. Oh, I like that one. Hey, let's have a meeting. <laughs> uh, multiply, multiply paperwork in plausible ways to start duplicate files. <laughs> Uh, multiply the procedures and clearances involved in issuing instructions, paycheck and so on, paychecks and so on. See that three people have to approve everything where one would do. Hello, bureaucracy. Apply all regulations to the last letter. Isn't it weird? Isn't it weird when you think about people that think they're doing good? I mean, let's face it. We work at companies where there's no, there's no one trying to sabotage the, the, the efficiency of the company, and yet they're doing half these things. At least, yes. At least half these things. <laughs> That's why this is so important. Uh, uh, next one is office workers. Make mistakes in quantities of materials when you are copying orders. Confuse similar names, use wrong addresses, prolong correspondence with government bureaus, <laughs> misfile essential documents. In making carbon copies, make one too few so that an extra copying job will have to be done. Tell important callers the boss is busy or talking on another telephone. Hold up until the next mail collection. And here's a big one. Spread disturbing rumors that sound like inside dope. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and they used the word dope in 1944. Hell yeah. Inside dope. I have to look up the etymology of the word dope. Because for shooting, it's it's your dope for your weapon. Um, but that has the same con- connotation as this does. I wonder where that comes from. I'm going to look it up. Now we get to the employees. Work slowly. And it, look, again, if you, you just take the opposite of these. Like, don't work slowly. Work, work quickly. Make things happen. Think out ways to increase the number of movements necessary on your job. Use a light hammer instead of a heavy one. Try to make a t- try to make a small wrench do when a big one is necessary. Use little force where considerable force is needed, and so on. Oh, this is a good one. Contrive as many interruptions to your work as you can. This I was I was actually doing this today. I was on this section, and my wife came in to ask me like a random question. <laughs> I was just like, yes, darling. Yep. Um, let me look. Yep. Okay. Here you go. And I was just thinking, how many, how many times do we allow things to interrupt us when we should be working? What kind of things have you set up for yourself that interrupt you? Whether it's your phone dinging, your computer, yeah. th- emails tinging on. Like, what is it? You set that you sabotage yourself. Again, self-sabotage isn't this big psychological thing that we do because we don't want to succeed. I could have been a rock star, but I always self-sabotage. No. You freaking turn your phone on and put it next to your chair when you should be working. That's what you do. Contrive as many interruptions to your work as you can. That's what you do. When changing the material on which you are working, as you would on a lathe or a punch, take needless time to do it. If you are cutting, shaping, or doing other measuring work, measure dimensions twice as often as you need to. When you go to the laboratory, spend a longer time than is necessary. Forget tools so you have to go back and get after them. What's frustrating about what you're saying (laughs) is there's a legitimate mindset and mentality behind this. Don't rush me. I get paid by the hour. Ugh. I know. I remember I saw a guy wearing that shirt one time. Oh my gosh. Was he at the DMV? <laughs> <laughs> no. And then um I can't where was I recently? I was on a trip. Um I can't, I was oh it was mm, dang it, it's driving me crazy. It was it was something with my travel, whether it was mm-hmm. like the rental car or something. And, uh, oh, yeah, I was dropping off the rental car, and I was like, I didn't have all my stuff ready and prepped to get out of the vehicle. Like, I tried to have all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry. He goes, eh, not a big deal, man. I get paid by the hour. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was just like, Check. but, you know, like, I initially got frustrated, and then I, I, I kind of, like, I, I felt bad for this guy yeah. because he thinks that's a – he truly thinks that's an okay mindset to have. He, he thinks it's acceptable. He's sabotaging his life. Because yeah. he's not getting promoted, right? No. He's not the guy. And I'll tell you what, there's a he couple. He was taught that also. Yeah, yeah, he was taught that. There's a couple car rental companies that are known for their customer service, and mm-hmm. like they will never say that to you. No, right? Uh, and but that guy is not getting promoted. He's sabotaging himself. Yeah, by working as slowly as he can and not mm-hmm. caring and yeah. no, don't worry about it. Like it's a bummer. It, 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 I again, I went from frustrated to I feel bad for this guy. Yeah. I really, I really feel bad for this guy. Did you talk to him about it? 
You know, what's funny is I, I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, I, no, I no, really I mean, like, wanted like, to, like, but yeah. I and um, I didn't because um, you know it, it was it would have been like unsolicited coaching or advice, <laughs> unsolicited advice. Yeah. And I, I don't think it was the opportunity where it would have had one any impact. Yep. And um, yeah, so yeah, interesting. Unwanted advice. Let's think about that you know, for future reference, because I bet there's a way to tactfully give people like, like that kid, whoever this person was, they're, they're stuck, man. Yeah. Like they're stuck in that, in that job for a long time. Yes. Until they figure it out, which is probably going to take three to three to five years Mm -hmm. to say like, oh, this kind of sucks. Yeah. I don't want to be doing this anymore. It's when it, it was when his environment gets so painful mm. that it causes him to f- reflect upon it and say, oh, yeah. I need to change some things in my life. Uh, so don't do that. Goes on here. Even if you understand the language, pretend to not understand instructions in a foreign tongue. Pretend that instructions are hard to understand and ask to have them repeated more than once or pretend that you are particularly anxious to do your work and pester the foreman with unnecessary questions, do your work pro- poorly and blame it on bad tools, machinery, or equipment, complain that these things are preventing you from doing your job right. This is, you already alluded to this one earlier. Never pass on your skill and experience to a new or less skillful worker. How many people are guilty of that? Mm-hmm. And you're literally following the directives to sabotage your organization. When you keep information, you never pass on your skill. So now I feel like for not making you read about face when you were 20 years old, <laughs> I just kept it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly what you did. Uh, snarl up administration in every possible way. Fill out forms illegibly so that they will have to be done over. Make mistakes or omit requested information in forms. If possible. Join or help organize a group for presenting employee problems to the management. See that the procedures adopted are as inconvenient as possible for the management, involving the presence of a large number of employees at each presentation, entailing more than one meeting for each grievance, (laughs) bringing up problems which they are largely imaginary, and so on. (laughs) Uh, Misroot materials and mix good parts with unusable scrap and rejected parts. And we're getting almost to the end here because this last section is called general devices for lowering morale and creating confusion. (laughs) And it starts off, give lengthy and incomprehensible explanations when questioned. It's the opposite of simple, clear, concise. Give lengthy and incomprehensible explanations. Report imaginary spies or danger to the Gestapo or police. Letter C, act stupid. (laughs) Uh, And this is the big one that you caught as a critical issue in America. It is be as irritable and quarrelsome as possible without getting yourself into trouble. That's sabotage that's happening in America right now, by the way. Uh, Misunderstand all sorts of regulations concerning such matters as rationing, transportation, and traffic uh, regulations. 
complained against Erzat's material, which is like artificial materials. I'm not 100% sure what they meant by that one. In public, treat Axis nationals or Quislings coldly. Quislings. Quislings are people that support the invaders or support the enemy. So like this would be the people in France that were supporting the Nazis. And this word Quislings, speaking of etymology, normally I catch words I don't know or I don't I wonder where they come from. Quisling is one of them. It's named after a guy named Vidkun Quisling, who is a Norwegian leader who is pro Nazi and he led like the Nazi government and so they just hated him. They executed him in 1945. But the word, okay. this this book was written in 1944, and they were already using this guy from Norway, this political leader that like jumped sides to the Nazis. They were already using his name in the total pejorative. It's not capitalized, it's just quizlings. Stop all conversation when Axis nationals or quizlings enter a cafe. Cry and sob hysterically at every occasion, especially when confronted by government clerks. Boycott all movies, entertainment, concerts, newspapers, which are in any way connected with quizzling authorities. And do not cooperate in salvage schemes. Which means don't try and save anything. So there you go. There you go. A little information about sabotage. I think uh, it's there. Yeah, how did you come across that book? Was it a oh, gift? Oh, good Was point. it random? So I have a, a client that I worked with in Scotland. Hmm. His name is Colin. And he sent me a, like six of these things. Wow. It was like, hey, this is from a CIA manual. If, except when he said it, I couldn't understand him because he, he mumbles. <laughs> and a matter of fact, I just traded text with him. He said that the last time I talked about him on this podcast, I said that he mumbles. And he said that you know that wasn't cool, and I said no, it wasn't cool. It was accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm doubling down, Colin. I'm doubling down. The awesome thing about Colin is when I met him, you know, he was in sort of a mid-level manager position, um, and now he like is very successful. That's awesome, and, and has a bunch of rental properties, and has several children, and you know, a happy family. And just a great dude, um, yeah. great guy. But he 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 will send me stuff. You know, usually he he titles my text. I get a text from him. He'll say Frogman colon Frogman. That's awesome. So and he's got a question for me usually. That's rad. Yeah. Well, Colin, I won't make fun of your mumble. You can make fun of my stutter if you want to bring me out to Scotland <laughs> to work with you. <laughs> That's a rad. That's awesome. Yeah. No, he's a, a very cool guy. Like that. I think I think this this was in maybe like oh you know I know when it was. It was when Podcast 11 came out with Leif because Colin and I drove from Scotland to England and we sat there in silence and listened to the podcast. That's incredible. So it was Podcast 11, so that's 2015 or 2016. So that's like seven or eight years ago. Um, and he still texts me, so there That's you go. That's so cool. Yeah, That's yeah. rad. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, so thanks for the thanks for the uh, hint there, Colin. Appreciate it. I found the whole book, by the way. You know, I'm not just going to take some little text. <laughs> but there it is. It's sabotage, everybody. It's not just an album by Black Sabbath. It's not just a song by the Beastie Boys. It's a real thing, and it's there. And we have to pay attention to it. 
And as always, you gotta pay attention, not that people are sabotaging you, which look, that could be happening, but first and foremost, make sure that you are not the saboteur. Which means, as always, there's a really good chance that your biggest enemy is you, which also means that you have the ability to defeat that enemy pretty easily. So, there you go. Yeah. All right, Echo Charles, speaking of trying not to get sabotaged, speaking of trying to overcome, speaking of trying to win. Sure. You know, we're trying to win across the board. Sure. Across the board. Right. Lots of lots of uh, you know various categories that we're trying to win in. We got the mats of justice. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. We got the the the, the workout room. Sure. Yeah. We call it the gym. Health and capability. Okay. Health and capability. Um, yeah. So what do we got? We got to get in order to do those things. Mm-hmm. We got to have fuel. Yes. We don't want to sabotage ourselves. I know why we self sabotage. By the way. Yeah. Oh, you I got the big two, answer. Two, I got two okay. of the main reasons. Okay. First one is you get distracted by short-term payoff. And when I say payoff, that could be pleasure or relief, Here's the the problem with your whole theory right now. The problem with your whole theory is... First off, I didn't go into the theory. The the whole theory (laughs) is, the whole thing that you're saying right now is that you get distracted by short... That's not sabotage. Sabotage is something you intentionally do. Sabotage is something you intentionally do. You don't intentionally decide to get distracted. You unintentionally put your phone by your computer and answer and check Instagram. Yeah. Okay, so you see the difference? Yes. Continue. Okay, so maybe um, maybe distraction might have distracted you from the meat of it. Um, in fact, I won't say you're distracted by short-term payoff. I'm saying you choose the short-term payoff. Okay. I say distracted a lot of time because you know how, you know the idea of keeping your eyes on the prize, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. like when you can clearly focus on your long-term goals and you don't get, quote-unquote, distracted by these short-term things that come about. Diet, you know. Reading homework. Got distracted by a donut. <laughs> yes, you're for distracted real. not by the donut itself, but for, for you're distracted by the short-term pleasure that the donut might bring. True. So anyway, so yes, so that short-term payoff sabotages your long-term payoff. It's still like an action yeah. that you partake in. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's that's one. Of them. And then the second one is we kind of succumb to the pressure of that long-term goal. Like like if you yeah. want a promotion, right? Like, oh, I'm going to be this, the, I don't know, what's a promoted? <coughs> CEO now. Yeah, it's a big it, promotion. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, damn, then now I got, in the back of your mind, you're like, dang, now I got to actually be the CEO. All right, bro. So when you go in the interview, brother, it's true. No, no, I retract my statement. I retract my harassment. Yes. Can I retract harassment? Yes, yes you Do you can. feel less yep. harassed now? Accept it, accept it, 100%. Because what you're saying is actually was my whole premise. Mm. Remember I was saying like, hey, you're gonna do these things, sure. and it's sab- you're sabotaging yourself, yeah. and they're kind of unintentional. You know, you're kind of doing like, oh, well, I just, you know, I'm just gonna do this right now. Right. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put the, my phone by my computer while I'm working, Yeah. you know? Because yeah. I, I might get the call. It's kind of unintentional, but it's sabotage. So I'm yeah. retracting my harassment, giving you the floor. Okay. You are correct. Right on. So you, and then you get the, and this is just something that's common, but you got to look out for it. You get the double where you do both. So like, let's say, oh, I got this big interview 
tomorrow mm-hmm. and I might get the job, the promotion, right? So I'm feeling the pressure of the promotion. Do you mean the promotion? The promotion. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so I'm feeling the pressure and. You mean the pressure? The pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so I have anxiety, right? A little, just a little bit of anxiety. I'm worried. You know, that's normal, right? Because mm-hmm. I got this big pressure scenario mm-hmm. going out, going the on tomorrow. Pressure. So you know what I'm going to mm-hmm. do? I'm going to have a drink. Oh. Just to, for the short-term relief. Yeah. Because. Um, short-term uh, pleasure is w- one form of pleasure is relief. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't breathe or something, yep. and you breathe yep. relief, right? So you you have a drink, and it's like good to you, right? So mm-hmm. you get the short-term half, you have another one, you have another one, you have another one. You, yep. Know? Yep. you go to the interview, you jam yourself up, but in the back of your head, you're kind of like, I don't know if I was ready for that anyway, kind of a thing. And that's yeah. because you lied to yourself about what the actual relief that you needed. Now, if you would have went and trained or had a badass workout, it could provide a better form of relief, which the long term is exactly right. Yeah. So yeah. you're distracted by that short term yep. pleasure, whether, whether it's relief or or just sheer pleasure, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that short term plus succumbing to the the pressure, the pressure, the pressure of the of the actual like to be successful. You know, you ever heard of the idea of fear of success? You ever heard of that before? You know. And this is another thing I have a hard time like being like, you know, I was going to be a rock star. And then, you know, they yeah, wanted me to come down to the recording studio, <laughs> you know, at nine. And I just got so liquored up and I just didn't show up, you know, because I just, I just, I just, I, I'm afraid of success. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't understand. Tell me a story okay. where this shit makes sense. The fear of success isn't the fear of that. Like, it, it's different. Okay. So fear of success is like, let's say I want to be, uh, I don't know football player mm-hmm. right and you have this fear of success and not everyone has it but let's say you do have it it's not that oh i'm scared of being a football player it's more shoot now that i'm actually a pro football player i have to perform as a f- pro football player and i'm not ready for that pressure that's kind of what do it you is. really think there's people that are like that i think you so. really think there's people that played in junior high they played in high school they played in college they've been playing this game their whole life yeah. and now they get to the nfl and they're like oh no i no. don't want to make it because i'm going to feel pressure yeah no I, I think it's way less common in football yes because of those reasons but if you think of like a normal uh what do you call a hierarchy you're like in the corporate ladder or uh-huh. something like this uh-huh. where it's like oh yeah tomorrow you're like you're gonna be the head of this whole, I don't know, re- I don't know the whole terms. region, so this region. whole department. Exactly whole right, man. G- congratulations! And now you're feeling the pressure of being that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'd way rather be here. That way, I'm not expecting. Okay. Like my that, that, expectations that, are lower. Would it make more sense though if people said the fear of responsibility? Yes, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. because that's what it, that's what I'm hearing you say. It's like. Hey, you have responsibility to perform. You have responsibility to lead. You have responsibility to do all these things with those promotions. And people don't want that responsibility. And most people are self-aware enough to realize, oh, I'm not ready for that. And so that's why I think the fear of responsibility, but the fear of success when, when, and again, success is all relative. Like what success to you is going to be different to me, the Jocko and everything else like that. I think that's a lie that people say when they fail to succeed because yeah. now they're justifying their failure. Like, man, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be that. Anyways. Yeah. I didn't really want to be a seal. Really? You yeah. sacrificed how many, like, I mean, you know, guys that are going through like, you know, I it just, I don't know. I don't, I don't believe in the fear of success, I would align with you and say a fear of responsibility. Right. I agree with you. And the fear agree. of responsibility comes from most likely a self-awareness of like, oh, I'm not prepared. Yeah. Or they don't want it. Dude, it's, Which it's, is okay. it's a burden. To actually admit yep. that yep. you don't want those things. I I was at SEAL Team 1. I was a new guy at SEAL Team 1. A guy's walking through the locker room and he's like, oh, yeah. 
And I was like, what happened? He goes, I just made E5 master chief as far as I'm concerned. Because he didn't want, he was just going to stay there. E5 mafia, you're not really responsible for anything except for whatever, the boat motors or the weapons or the radios, but you're not responsible for the op or anything like that. So you're just kind of cruising. And that's that's where he wanted to be. There's people, there's all kinds of people like that. Good for them. That's cool. Like you said, JP, if you say, hey, look, man, I just want to stay here at this level. I like being in charge of this small team. I don't want to step up. I don't want to be going to the, the board meetings or whatever. You're just, I'm cool where I'm at. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. That, that if you're bombing a, you know, an interview and you say, well, I always self-sabotage because I'm afraid of being successful. You should say what JP said, which is, well, I bomb interviews because I actually don't want to get promoted because I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to take that extra responsibility. We actually knew guys at. in the SEAL teams that like purposely failed oh, yeah. their advancement exams because they did not want the responsibility of becoming an E6. Legitimate. Right. Even though they'd make more money to them, it didn't, didn't matter. matter. They didn't, they're like, nope. I don't. And to the point where one of these guys, and he's a good dude, one of these guys finally got pulled aside by the leadership and like, hey, if you fail this exam one more time, higher tenure you can get kicked out of the yep. Navy. Mm. They're like, we know what you're doing. Because <laughs> he's so smart, <laughs> so smart. We like, we know what you're doing. Yeah. Guess what? Takes the test, like almost aces it and does really well. And it was because he never wanted that that upper spot. I, I think I've talked about it on one of the many podcasts that we've done together or it's on another, another one or I know I definitely share this with clients all the time. I didn't want to be promoted in the SEAL teams. All I wanted to do was just be that E5 Mafia guy. I wanted to be a a sniper and a machine gunner. That's all I wanted, legitimately all I wanted. Now, there was a few reasons behind that. One was like what you're talking about before is like before I had tried to step up and lead and do things and I had older guys like bad leaders just completely crush me, (laughs) completely crush me. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm not doing that anymore. Like Mm. unless you're a glutton for punishment, how many times are you going to continue to try to step up and lead and do things? You know, not going to. And so I didn't, you know, and then I also had some personal insecurities from being in speech therapy and growing up with a speech impediment. And, you know, I used to get picked on in school because I would stutter and mix up How my words. How did you overcome that? Did uh, you like go to speech therapy actually So my parents you? had me in, no, the speech therapy. Your dad beat it out of you. <laughs> no. <laughs> my, uh, you know, my, uh, I actually remember my dad pulling me aside one time. I was in junior high. And I had saw some of my friends from elementary school and we were at the mall. And, you know, I, so I was in speech therapy all throughout elementary. Uh, How bad was elementary. your stutter? It was really bad. What and letters I would, did you stutter on? I don't remember. I would. I still do it to this day. I mix up my words. I make up words. So that's a cool trick mm-hmm. I have. Like, mm-hmm. I've actually done that, like, at a speaking engagement. And Leif pulled me aside. He goes, you know that word? It's not a real word. I'm like. What am I saying? He goes, Come under pile. <laughs> Come under pile. <laughs> um, and uh, I can't even think of the actual word right now because, like, Leif, like, helped me correct you feel it. feel Vaughn here right now to make up some words. Dude, that guy is, I want to meet him one day. I want to go to one of his shows. It would be awesome. Dude. Anyways, so uh, before we digress down yeah. that path. Um, and so. Did you hear the story about Jack Daniel Hill, me, and Theo? Uh, probably. I, I go to Nashville for a gig. Remind me to come back to this. I go to Nashville for a gig. And I text Theo, and I'm with Jack. Jack's like escorting. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember this. And so like it's me, Jack, and Theo hanging oh out gosh. for like we we were just hanging out in the hotel lobby. Theo goes, "Where are you at?" And I go, "I'm here." And he goes, "I'll be there in 15 minutes." And he just rolls down. And we just stood in this. We sat down in this hotel lobby for 
like almost two hours. How did Jack not pass out from laughing? He was, it was. Because Jack also has one of the most amazing laughs ever. Yeah, where it, was, just it was insane. You can add, I, if I would have recorded this, it would have been like the, the Netflix special, the year for, for, for the century for Theo. It was just freaking hilarious. But part of it was because it was so off the record. It was just yes. wild. I think that's what, <laughs> it was and that's so what I wild. like. I like Theo's stuff. Some of it, I'm like, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> Which, it brings me back to honestly being in a platoon. Yeah, I think that's yeah, why yeah, I yeah, like yeah, his yeah. stuff so much, because you just hear some stuff, you're like, that is something actually we've been saying in a platoon. It's yeah. like, so just crazy. And then again, he's also so intelligent, like team guys, that he can like actually listen with intent and yeah. then articulate things yeah. at a level that you're like, this well, this is why he's as successful as yeah. he is. So. The weird thing about it, though, is is you know these comedians which i didn't realize until i started like knowing like rogan and stuff that that they write the stuff and they yeah. like prepare it and then they go do it over and over again and they re they rehearse it in front of an audience which is what the smaller gigs are and then they do and so, so it's all prepared so then you think well ah, then maybe they're not as cool as you think they are but then when you get with those guys with the old with rogan like they're freaking hilarious where there's no preparation you yeah. know what i mean it's not like that's that's a performance, but that's not their only way of being hilarious. They're also hilarious just in life. Yeah, you know? but that also becomes part of like what you focus on and you know what the amount of time and the reps that you put in. Yeah. When I did my very first gig for Echelon Front, it was rehearsed. You know, I did that rehearsal for you yeah. and Leif over Skype and I had been I was doing six to eight hours a day of preparing that one hour <laughs> keynote for weeks and weeks yeah. and we literally like you know and so just to be able to prepare it to do it for you guys so that you guys could give me a thumbs up to go actually do the in-person gig and when i did it it was absolutely rehearsed like everything i knew exactly what i was going to say and then for a while that's exactly how it was and now it's to the point six and a half almost seven years later which is crazy it's like i don't actually i don't need a slide deck I don't need anything. I can go sit down, I can work with a client, I can do a keynote, half day workshop, full day workshop with no slide deck and be able to w share stories, work through problems and do it all because it's what we do. Yeah. And I think that's where those guys get, to, they get to that level where it's just, it's who they are. Yeah. Um, so what, what stories are you going impediment. back to? Okay, yeah, yeah speech, speech impediment. impediment. Uh, so my parents had me in uh, speech therapy and it, it helped to learn how to like learn to articulate certain things and read things and process them a certain way. Um, and it was awesome. But you know, my parents were just, my parents were awesome about it. And I remember I was in junior high and I got super, uh, in, you know, just embarrassed and intimidated by some of the kids that I seen. Again, I was super small, skinny, uh, short kid. And they're all like, they're all kind of blown up in junior high and they're all taller. And I was talking with some of my friends and um, I just remember my dad pulled me aside. He's like, hey, is everything okay? And I said, yeah. He goes, you didn't make eye contact to any of them. And, you know, and he was, it was awesome. He was just very gentle with asking me like, hey, is everything okay? Um, you know, and you didn't make eye contact. And it, it was a coaching opportunity that he had with me of like, hey, when you talk to people, you need to be making eye contact. And here's why it's important. I, I still remember. I remember exactly where we're at in the Sunrise Mall, standing in front of Zoomies. Like I remember that that conversation is a core memory, because my dad took the time to like ask me a question. He listened to what I had to say. He gave me feedback. He coached me. He helped me, and we talked about it. And it was cool because I know also the intent. My dad cared about me. 
he really, obviously my parents care about me and they love me, but he really cared about me enough to, to take the time to coach me and teach me and tell me about it. And, and so I was aware of that. And then in high school, it was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but it was when I got in the military is when I learned I actually had to talk in front of people and and oh, talk yeah. to people and you know and especially if you're gonna be in the seal teams you know you have to be able to communicate well okay it's the same concept as when i went through seal training i had to shut things off literally shut things off in my brain i'm claustrophobic and have a fear of drowning so going through tra- <laughs> seal training makes how much sense yeah. like legitimately like if and we're in a swimming pool and people start roughhousing i get out it makes me super anxious really how did you get through freaking pool comp legitimately had to shut it off like legitimately just shut it off in my brain and just say you know what i've been trained and I, so one i trusted god 100 with everything because it was my full belief that this is what god had designed me to do with my life and accurate assessment <laughs> yeah and so there was like zero doubt that that's what i was supposed to do yeah but and he's not always going to be able to give you oxygen down there yeah, well, the deep end, he son. gave me the ability to learn to train enough Check. where i had the the skill set to make right. it through all that stuff without failing any i didn't fail anything in pool comp so did, when you had this speech impediment where you'd stutter would you when did you overcome it? Um, what grades? Or was it like instant? Was it like one day you just figured it out? Working at Echelon Front. But you didn't stutter. When when you and I worked together, I never heard you like stutter. Um, No, because it was game time. If I was speaking in front of SEALs or teaching and instructing, mm-hmm. it was game time. Now, a normal conversation, I'll stutter sometimes and I'll mix up my words. And then if I get frustrated or embarrassed, then it gets a little bit worse. Hmm. And, but when it came to like, hey, we're in a platoon or I was, you know, running trading with you, it was just a, it was a mindset shift. Just like going through pool comp and buds, it was like, hey. Do you have any videos of you as a kid stuttering? Um, Cause I wanna we, see them. We might be able to find find them, I'm sure. It's just, it's really hard for me to picture you mm-hmm. stuttering. Yeah. It's, it's like, I, like I said, I've never, Never heard you do it. I've worked with people that stuttered before, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, it's real, obviously, yeah. obvious. Yeah. Now I would say uh, mine wasn't as bad as mo- like when yeah. you're thinking of someone who's. What about when you? What about when you were lot. in seventh grade it or whatever? Like that. What about seventh grade? Or yeah. Whatever. Fifth for grade. For sure. It was yeah. That bad. Yeah. Yeah. But my parents were awesome with you know just you know taking that pressure off and you know hey take a breath. Did you hear the podcast Echo and I did about the monster experiment? I'm sure I have. They took the kids. They took kids that had no speech impediment mm-hmm. and told them, hey, you've got this slight speech oh, impediment. Yeah. It's probably going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they developed yeah. speech impediments yeah. and they got bad. My they parents took, did the opposite. They took people that actually had stutters and said, hey, oh, that thing. Oh, don't worry about that. It's actually nothing. It's normal in your development. It'll go away. And mm-hmm. It went away. Yeah. And everything in between. And those, those kids that they did this to sued them and got millions of dollars back in the day before everyone sued everyone. So that's so yeah yeah that's, that's crazy. crazy right? No, my parents did the opposite. They were like, "Hey, man, it's actually not that bad. Hey, nobody notices. Hey, if you if you, if you're starting, you sound to like an up, idiot. Yeah, that's why no, I was joking. I said like your dad beat it out of you. No, like every yeah. time you studied, he hit you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the exact opposite. It was all, my parents were so were so awesome about it, and uh, you know, just never made me feel insecure about it. Yeah, so well, you they know, made it to where it wasn't an issue. Like at Echelon Front, when someone's real nervous before, like at the muster, I'm always just like, yeah, oh, dude, you're gonna." do great uh in my mind i might be thinking like oh this is a trade wreck <laughs> all aboard <laughs> you know well I, 
you got to just say like, oh, dude, you're ready. And and of course, they go out knocking out of the yep. park because they're like, oh, okay, I'm good to go. As opposed to saying like, I don't know if you're ready for this. That's when people fall apart. At what point does anybody think that's going to make anything better for somebody ever? Yeah, that's not a good plan. I don't know if like at what point like does you yeah, say it's people that are people that are unaware, people that don't understand other people are like, yes, dude, you're not ready right now. I mean, this could be before a wrestling match. This could be before a jiu-jitsu tournament. This could be before an MMA fight. This could be before a, a speech. Like anything that's going to hurt someone's confidence before they yeah. go and actually execute. No. You, there's no point. You're yeah. hurting that. Yeah. You need to give them some confidence and, and good luck. Yeah, dude, you're ready. Go kick ass. And that's what I've always told Aiden for wrestling. Like, hey, you're ready. Go have fun. Yep. Make him pay. Make him pay. <laughs> Like that's you know, I like how we went from go have fun to make him. Yeah, pay. I know. Well, that is fun. <laughs> make him pay. Yeah. You know, we're, but we're also talking about a combat sport, like yeah. you know, and it's awesome. Like Aiden's mindset is like in in reality is like no matter what you say, hey, guess what? That is factual and it's true. You are ready. You have all the knowledge, all the training to be able to go out there and execute. Now, whether you're able to execute those things or not, I mean, that's going to be you know your ability to actually execute them yeah. out there. But you're ready. Go have fun. Make him pay. There you go. All right. So speaking of wrestling, speaking yeah. of getting after it, we're going to need fuel. Um, real oh, quick. Oh, oh, we're going back. What do oh, you yeah, got? Yeah, two. No, no, no. I agreed one. with you about the successful, uh, or, or sorry, fear of responsibility. Yeah. But I think a lot of times when people think of success, they kind of lump, lump everything together. Well, so in order for you to be true. successful, it requires a good amount of responsibility. responsibility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. well, so. This is sort of like when Jordan Peterson's like, oh, you know, men have all this success. And he's like, well, if you think men that are successful are like sitting, you know, with their feet up and not doing anything, it's like, no, those men that are quote unquote successful actually have an immense amount of pressure. They're working freaking 80 hours a week. They never get to rest. They're freaking recording podcasts at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night on a whatever. Sure. On their daughter's birthday, on their on their wife's anniversary, their whatever, wives their, 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 their anniversary. <laughs> happens to me might right as well, you see what i'm saying so these things happen yeah. so. yes exactly right so and the point is it's all lumped in together you know where where someone's like oh basically if i get this position or of six if i get into this position of success then Position. i gotta do successful Position. stuff and i don't know if i'm ready for all that yeah. i don't know if I, I got what it takes kind of an idea mm -hmm. i think that's it yeah and i have heard of this that some people they're scared of like oh shoot if i get all this success now i have more to lose you know kind of a thing yeah, I'm calling. I, when I, if someone out there feels like that, please come tell me. Because yeah. I'm kind of anyone that told me like, you know, I was just afraid I'd have so much, so much to lose. Like, whatever, bro. Yeah. Uh, tell yeah. me you wouldn't roll the dice. Uh, yeah, yeah, for, for and be sure. like, I got to keep it. Yo, of course. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anyone ever say like, hey, I have, I have a fear of success. I've heard of like people say like, oh, that person sabotages themselves because it's like they have a fear of success. Mm -hmm. I, I've never yeah. heard anyone say like say it as an excuse oh, ever okay. in, in real life. But, but anyway, I, I feel like, like that's how yeah. it works. But then again, I don't know because I'm just me. You see yeah. what I'm saying? And you have no fear of success, apparently. No. He's over there getting no, after no. it. I got, I got my feet up over here, just, you know, <laughs> collecting Over there falls. pressing record. Oh, man, it's hard. It's hard for a brother. All right. At Jockofuel.com. I'll tell you what I am doing. Lifting. Yep. Conditioning. 100%. Rolling yeah. the juice. 
Back in the game. Back in the game. I've been back yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Back. It's good to be back in it. Well, technically, I was never really out. Uh, I was you just out, like, but you, you know, had, I was like, oh, I'll catch this one. I'll go here. I mean, mm. maybe I'll skip this. So, you know, I was like that. But now it's like back in the road. You know how yeah. you have the routine? Yeah. Where you like, you don't be like, oh, wait, I haven't gone to do this. It's in the rotation. You know, it's in the rotation. It's That's the part, rotation. Of the, part of the game, man. <laughs> So, you, you know, you catch a little more in it right Back now. Back in the rotation. So, yes, it's important, man. Get it's the important fuel. for success and just for everyday uh, life. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all this stuff. We do need fuel. What's the new hotness right now? Hydrate. Hydrate all day. Jocko so, hydrate. I drank. I'm drinking that like crazy right now. Yeah. It's freaking taste delicious. It You can feel it. Like when you're, and you know, well, you know, you guys both know how much I sweat. Yes, it's sir, a lot. Yeah. I need to replenish. Get the hydrate. It's freaking outstanding. Oh, it, yeah. It saved me last night. I trained at my buddy Anthony Kronk's gym. Mm-hmm. I, uh, one of our black belts under Formiga opened up his own gym. In Crum. Where is it? It's in Crum, Texas, like close to the Dallas-Fort Worth area Check. called Eclipse Jiu-Jitsu. Eclipse Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Go get some. And uh, so you got Anthony there, and, you know, it's it's awesome. It's this big open, like, warehouse, industrial type mm-hmm. of, like, space. And he already outgrew his first location. Hasn't even been a year. Got to the new place. Last night was their first official like day in the new location. So uh, myself, Stephen Little, Josh Strasberger, we went up there to go train, and I had one of the packs. I felt like a jerk because I didn't bring one for the guys. Mm-hmm. I just was run out of the house, grabbed one, was drinking it before training and and, uh, and then during training, and it legitimately saved me last night. You can feel it. You that Texas heat's rolling in right now, man. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I am thankful that yeah. I had that. And so then there you go. getting off the plane today as well, like. There you go. After travel, it should be an Mandatory. SOP for yep. everybody. Yep. Because you're going to feel that fatigue from just basic travel. Boom. Two grams of D ribose, natural sweeteners. It's just freaking good to go. Vitamin C, vitamin B6, vitamin B12, magnesium. Like, it's just good to go. It's what you need. Check that out. Get yourself some Get yourself some of this, too, right here. Some of that, some of that real energy. That go energy. Yeah, go energy. Get yourself some of that. Um, <clears throat> JockoFuel.com. You can get that. You can get the, the Mulk. You can get Immunity, Joint Warfare. You can get the stuff at Vitamin Shop, GNC. You can get it at Wawa, bottom right corner, by the way. Yes. GNC, we're in the military commissaries. We're in AFES now. Well, we're, we're not there yet, but we just, we're going into AFES. So everyone, all you, all you troopers serving right now around the world, we got, to, we got an AFES. So you can get in there and get some overseas and everywhere else. Hannaford's Dash Stores in Maryland, Wakeford, ShopRite, H-E-B. You know we're in H-E-B. What's up, Tejas? <laughs> you know we're in H-E-B. How far is H-E-B from your house, your new house? Uh, don't even know yet. I don't even know that yet. Damn. I don't have it mapped out. Blasphemy. I know. I agree. Well, there's one close by because you are in Texas. No, I know. Well, Central Market needs to get in the game because they're a family. They're under the HEB brand. Oh. And that's, yeah, Central Market needs to get in the game okay. with the Jocker Fuel products. We'll, we'll talk to HEB about that. Yeah. We'll see what's up. Yeah. Central Market would be, that's closer than an HEB. Okay. But uh, we are in HEB. We'll get into Central Market. Sorry about that. We'll get in. We're in Meyer, uh, Harris Teeter, Lifetime Fitness, Shields. You know, we're in the Shields. <laughs> You can get anything you need in Shields. Shields is incredible. It's insane. You know what? uh, One of our clients, Groundworks, one of the owners, uh, uh, Keith, awesome guy, he owned one of the locations that was acquired from Groundworks, still helps with building everything. His grandfather started Shields. Shields is legit. It's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, 
And you know what else we're in right now? Just little gyms, little CrossFit gyms, little jiu-jitsu gyms. Mm-hmm. If you got a CrossFit gym, if you got a jiu-jitsu gym, if you got any kind of gym, and you want to sell Jocko Fueler, email jfsales at jockofuel.com. We'll get you in the game. So there you go, jockofuel.com. Sure. Speaking of, what did you say, the hotness? Did you say that? Yeah, the new hotness. Yeah, okay. That's, I'm not going to say that. That's from Speaking uh, of new cool stuff that's out, <laughs> originusa.com, mm-hmm. RTX gear. Mm-hmm. Roll, train, execute. Yeah. You know, uh, basically, it's like workout gear. Yeah, yeah. Moisture have you gotten your shit? Have you got your shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Remember? Dope, huh? Yeah, we huh. used them. The, um, Did you get yours? No. Damn. All right. Okay. It's all good. You like long sleeve? Not really? I like everything. Yeah, okay. I'll wear a long sleeve. I'll wear a short sleeve. I'll wear the short. Just because I, I got care. some extra long sleeves, but I ain't got well, no extra then short I sleeves. Well, then I will wear a long sleeve. You got an extra long sleeve. Yep. This is one of the first things that I wanted to do when, when we started looking at the next product line was to make, you know, wicking lightweight workout gear it took a long time to get it made here in america to make it here in america to find the right materials so but we did it we pulled it off rtx gear it's out awesome. uh we also got hunt gear we got the jiu-jitsu geese what else rash guards rash guards for sure All that kinds new of... gi is legit <sighs> yeah the nano pearl that is in Saying yeah. I, I I ordered one for myself and Aiden and even Aiden's like, dude, yeah, it's just awesome. I want to make some kind of like a like if you ever have to wear a suit, sure, like make a yeah. suit mm-hmm. from that. It'd be yeah, work, well, you know? yeah, That'd you know what I'm saying. I I I've seen suits. Saying. I've seen suits that legit like high end suits that look like kind of like they could be made with gi material. I've seen suits like that. Yeah, that would be legit. The whole Denver SWAT team just got just ordered the the new uh, Nano Pro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our boy Jesse. Yeah, and, you know, he, he got back on full time Denver SWAT. Right and on. All those guys train, and he's like, "I guess I'm training jujitsu." Yeah. So they all ordered them. It was pretty. We cool. We used half of our material to make Jesse a gi. Yeah, well, <laughs> and for all the guys on the Denver SWAT team, shout out to those guys. There you go. hundred oh, percent made in America, by the way. Because we're in an economic war right now yeah. with China. They're they're coming. They're they're trying. They're trying to take our manufacturing away. That's what's happening. They're watching our culture rip itself apart. By the way, they're seeing our they're taking our manufacturing overseas, taking jobs, having us put our money into their pockets. They have a long term strategy. That's what they're doing. We're fighting it. And that's one of the ways we're fighting it. OriginUSA.com. Help the security of this country. Do not put money into the communist hands. All right. It's true. Also, if you want to represent on this path, discipline equals freedom. It's one of them. Good. Mm-hmm. Like all these good, all these cool, you know, Jocko stuffs. This is where you get them. JockoStore.com. It's true. Jocko stuff's have, plural. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah a lot of stuff's sure. on there. Um, also, there is what we call the shirt locker. Mm-hmm. You came up with that. No, you approved no, that one. Someone I else came up with yeah. that one. Someone, someone on Twitter. Yeah. You wouldn't know about Twitter anymore, would you? Nah, you know, I've been, you know, Did you get locked out again? I, well, you know, he, that's he, he freaking, he freaking. What did you do? He got, got hacked. Got hacked. Yeah, he got it, hacked. It happens to the best of us. Nonetheless, I'm back. And so is the shirt locker. See what I'm saying? So the shirt locker is a subscription scenario. You get a new shirt every month. Good designs. Hey, I got to admit something to you. Yeah. This this past 
month. Mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of went like, but what do you call when you brush up against the guardrails, guardrails, guardrails of whatever of whatever you know? But there's guardrails of this and that, and maybe the design was slightly more controversial than it should have been. What was it? Uh, don't fuck it up. It didn't say the F U C K on it though. It yeah. said it just said F with the thing. What's the thing? The like asterisks. No, no, no. The, um, the X flag. Oh. And K. There's no even C K. Okay. But whatever. That's just that was my thought process. Did you get some pushback? Some, some pushback, yeah, on that one. But hey, is it the same amount of pushback you got for the one of like let's get stoned or? Uh, with the stoner. Oh right? yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it's very early. What's today? Like the sixth. Yeah, so, that one was that was my direction too. I was yeah. like, hey, make this because that's from a story from the Vietnam Dude, Seal yeah, that came right. back and it was written on his stoner. Someone right. had carved into the into the stock of his stoner. Everybody must get stoned. Yeah. How freaking epic and cool is that? Agreed. So I said, bro. Put a Stoner 63, put smoke coming out, and have that shit smelling smell some hippie lettering. Everybody must get stoned. Yep. So it had, you know, drug illusions in it. It had firearms. It was just like everyone got yeah. controversial. Yeah, I, I do wonder about that. Because, oh, look, I agree with you where if you know the story, you're like, oh, hell, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. I would wear totally wear the shirt. Doesn't yeah. mean I smoke weed all the time or whatever. You know, whatever or, or shoot stoners. For you, whatever, <laughs> whatever the objections may be. Yeah. So I think this is one of those ones as well. Like, don't fuck it up. That story is yeah. like, and I actually listened to that one because I have it like on an excerpt. Uh-huh. I'm trying to what? Don't it, fuck it up. Yeah, yeah. That that whole story. Yeah. Like with stoner and with stuff. With stoner. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's freaking sick, and I, and I didn't make it all loud and dumb. You can Do you just know like like. Do you know that story? Which one? So we, you know how we had like the board with everyone's little picture on it. Yeah. Uh, in the task unit space. Yeah. And so when Stoner t- took over the task unit, yeah. and then he put all of his guys, his, the new guys that were in, and you know, reassembled the, the chain of command and everything, and he took my picture and he just elevated it above his picture, <laughs> and then he put a little, like a little voice or a little, what's it called? Uh, yeah. A little cartoon yeah. thing. Yeah. And it just said, don't fuck it up. Nice. Then I was telling him. <laughs> <laughs> you know they had me in a different task unit originally when we came back from Ramadi. Yeah, they split not, everybody up. Not working for Seth. Yeah. And I went into the Master Chief's office. This is like right away, and I was like, saw it up there, and I was like. Just moved it. I literally moved it into like working <laughs> back for him again. <laughs> and then I ended up really going to buzz in the trade because of surgery and everything. Yeah, the shirt locker is awesome. My, my father-in-law, Jeff, who yeah. listens to this podcast, he, I, he shares it with everybody he works with, and which is awesome. Um he, I love, like, Amanda and I will get a text message from my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, Debbie, and we're in this little group text, and every every time he gets his new shirt, it's him wearing the new shirt, smiling, and we get the picture, and it's awesome. So he just Hopefully he sends you this latest one and yeah. doesn't say, hey, you know. I'm offended. I'm offended by Echo Charles's ideas. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, You've that, met my in-laws. That ain't going to happen. They're but awesome. That story that you've been like how you – and there's a lot more to that story too yeah, yeah, that yeah. you told me anyway. You're like – and then you'll even still kind of use that saying where it's a, it's kind of like when you see someone building up maybe too much confidence and you'll be like, oh, no, you're going to do great. You're going to do great. Don't Just don't fuck it up. <laughs> you know, like so, so, and there's a lot to that and it was good, I thought. Yeah. Um, but if no one knows that, they're like, Oh what? I'm not gonna wear a shirt with swear words. This is dumb. This is offen- yeah. not offensive, but necessarily mm-hmm. like I don't wanna represent that kind of a thing and I get that. Mm-hmm. So maybe it might be worth like having some little 
card with an explanation. That would be actually pretty cool. Where it, mm. a card with a little QR code on it, they can scan it. It has yeah, like a yeah. video explaining it. They, it sends them to the uh, the podcast yeah. that has the explanation. I don't know. It's good. Yeah. It's good advice. It is good advice. All right, so there you go. But yes, uh, uh, short lock, Yeah, look, look into that one. JockoStore.com. Hey, hey, subscribe to uh, uh, this podcast and other podcasts that we do. Uh, Jocko Underground. JockoUnderground.com. Check that out. We do we do about a podcast a week yeah. there with podcast-adjacent material kind of directed at your individual life. But we answer a bunch of questions on there, Wait, too. It's yep. life advice on that one. That yeah. one's the kind where, like, because we release it every Monday or sun, like Monday, like at midnight mm-hmm. in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if you got go to work on Monday, the thing is uploaded, kind of good to game. go. Oh, yeah, you listen to that on the way to work or Primer. something like this. Bruh, life advice all day for the week. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Uh, YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to Origin USA YouTube channel. Subscribe to Jocko Fuel YouTube channel. Go to Psychological Warfare. Get FlipsideCanvas.com from Dakota Meyer. I've written a bunch of books. Get them. Get them for your kids. Best kids book ever. Am I allowed to say that? Can I make that kind of judgment? I just did. I would say yes. I'm allowing you to. I'm allowing it. Yes. Yeah. It's just... That's the way. Um, please get those books for the kids you know, honestly. They are they are so helpful to so many kids. Please do it. Uh, Echelon Front, we have a leadership consultancy. We solve problems through leadership. If you want JP to come and work with your company, if you want me to come and work with your company, if you want one of us on the team at Echelon Front to come and work with your company, go to echelonfront.com and you can see what you can get. You can also come to one of our live events. I think next thing we have is the Battlefield at Little Bighorn, mm-hmm. August 8th through the 10th. We got some slots open if you wanna come. It's powerful to go up there to secure those lessons or to actually understand what happened on that battlefield. There's so many mistakes that were made and you can learn from them. I can't wait for that. I'm gonna be there. Okay, that awesome. One. Yeah, and then, yeah. Yeah, that thing is uh, powerful. You can also see the good things that happened. Yeah. Because there was a lot of good moves, good tactical moves that were made, mostly by the Native American warriors. Um so come and check that out. FTX. Yeah, we run the FTX. What's your next FTX? Uh, we have one day individual FTX is coming up, which is awesome. We sold out of the two day ones. They were just a couple weeks ago. Actually, geez. Yeah, a month ago. <laughs> Anyways, um, so we have one day FTXs. It's going to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Monday, September 18th, Wednesday, September 20th, and Friday, September 22nd. So it's just one day. It helps with people that can't commit yeah. to two full days. You know, so you have a day of travel, two full days, you know, and then maybe a day of travel on the back end, depending on, you know, so that's a lot of people couldn't commit to that price point. And so it's the price point is very comparable to a muster. And uh, we decided that we would try out one day FTXs mm-hmm. to allow people to come experience an FTX. Uh, you know, we actually have a handful of our um, clients that have been entertaining FTXs that are actually coming out to it that couldn't ever commit to a full two day. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I can go to one day FTX for sure. And so somebody could travel in the night before, get a full day of training. Now, depending on where they live, they could possibly get a flight out that same night, probably, Mm -hmm. most likely, actually, actually, most likely out of of Dallas-Fort Worth, back wherever they need to be. And so it's 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 a small time commitment where you're getting the full impact of the field training exercises that we run. Because most of the time when we do it with a a client, it's just one day Mm -hmm. of field training exercise. 
leading up to the training, they're going to have videos through Extreme Ownership Academy platform that they can take that yep. will give them all of the leadership principles that we teach ahead of yep. time. Check. And then that way, when we show up to training, you hit the ground running, full day of training, and then you can get back to your work, get back to your team, your family. So those are coming up. Um, you know, they go to our website, they can check out, get registered. I mean, the battlefield, the FTX, the council, the musters, they all sell out. These are going to sell out, yep. especially with the one day price point option. Yep. And if you've gone to a muster and you're like, hey, what's the next step? Come to an FTX, come to a battlefield. Yep. Like that is the absolute next step for sure. Yeah. The FTX is, if you don't know what they are, you go out in the field. We have these high speed laser weapons. We train you on the basic tactics, but it is what, it's the tool. It's the it's the medium that we mm -hmm. used to transform leaders in the SEAL teams. Yeah. Put them in these high stress, confusing, complicated leadership scenarios where you have to learn to lead, you have to learn to follow, you have to learn to step up, you have to learn to detach from your emotions, you have to learn to cover, move, keep things simple, prioritize next to you. You have to learn those things and when you don't do them, that leaves a mark. Yeah. It leaves a mark. It leaves an impact on your brain and it's a powerful way to learn. So. Yeah. Come and check those things out, echelonfront.com. And you just mentioned the the Extreme Ownership Academy, extremeownership.com. This the mission, our mission is to give this information to as many people as possible. And one of the ways that we figured out to do that was by having online courses. So go to extremeownership.com. You can take all kinds of classes about these principles. And this is like having magic. It's like having magic. It's like being able to perform magic tricks to solve problems. It's like jujitsu. Mm. Like, it's like if you are playing basketball and, and you're Michael Jordan and you're playing one-on-one -on -one against a, a, a 12-year-old. You're slamming dunks, yeah. right? Because you learn how to interact with other people. You learn to lead. Learn how to adjust your life and make it better. So extremeownership.com. And then if you wanna help service members, active and retired, you wanna help their families, you wanna help Gold Star families, check out Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. She's got a charity organization. If you wanna donate or you wanna get involved, go to americasmightywarriors.org. She helps out so many people. And it's just an incredible woman. Um, and then on top of that, we've got heroesandhorses.org. That's Micah Fink. Uh, I actually just talked to Micah Fink. So I got I got the report from the field. Okay. I'm like, oh, Micah, what you doing? He's like, oh, I'm driving back from Wyoming. I just got done branding 1,300 cows. 1,300. And before that, I was in South Dakota delivering 400 chickens to a reservation hmm. where they were out of food. Hmm. What have you been up to, Jocko? <laughs> <laughs> he says, hey, you might want to come try that jujitsu stuff out on cows. Hmm. Yeah. See how well it works. Mm -hmm. I was like, Roger. So that's what Micah Fink does. Actually, he just went in the field, too. He just took his class out. They take classes out. They take, they take veterans, first responders up into the wilderness so that they can get lost and they can get found. Heroesandhorses.org. If you want to connect with us on the interwebs, JP is at JP Dinell. Two N's, two L's. Echoes at Echo Charles. I'm at Jocko Willink. Just watch out for the algorithm. That's a big sabotage machine. Yes, it is. 
that's what it is. Uh, JP, thanks for coming. As Appreciate always, it. My brother. It's been awesome. Heck yeah. Um, thanks to all the military personnel are out there around the world right now. Thank you for putting our safety above your own. And also thanks to our police, law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, border patrol, secret service, all first responders. Thanks to you as well. You put our safety above your own. We're indebted to you for it. And to everyone else out there, just watch out. Watch out. Because there can be sabotage happening. And sabotage can be tough to spot. It's kind of the ultimate form of the indirect attack. Very hard to identify, but it can be happening and it can take you down. And it's hardest to identify when the saboteur is you. When it's you that's talking too much, when it's you that's bringing up irrelevant issues, when it's you that are haggling over details that don't matter, when it's you that are holding unnecessary meetings, making careless mistakes, working too slow, spreading rumors, not sharing skills, when it's you that are acting stupid. Don't be the saboteur. Do not allow that. Don't be a quizzling, a traitor, a betrayer of the cause. No, be loyal, be competent, be capable, be a leader. And until next time, this is JP and Echo and Jocko out.